1: Welcome to the 42 cast your ultimate answer to fandom geekiness and everything as always I'm your host Nathan and we have another great episode for you today where we are going to talk about a topic and in this case we are talking about the place of criticism of criticism in our media experience Uh, but before we do that let's meet our cast for this week so first off beaming to us from our sister show earth station track that is Keith how are you doing Keith doing well how's everybody doing today doing all right cool looking forward to this <laughs> uh so Keith uh what's been going on for you since the last time you were on the show
2: been doing well been recovering so, uh, I think you and I talked about personally I was hospitalized last year so I've mm. been recovering from that doing well getting outside a lot more been watching a lot of TV I just am in the middle of my second watch of Star Trek The Card season three mm the only season I like (laughs) 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 in this series. And I'm uh, speaking of movies and film criticism. I'm really excited for the summer movie season with all the good stuff coming out. Mm. Uh, But one thing I do and I've done for years is I counter-program during the summer. As much as I love science fiction and fantasy, even I get a little tired of the so-called blockbusters. Mm. So before seeing Into the Spider-Verse, I actually saw a small little film starring Julia Louis-Dreyfus yesterday called You Hurt My Feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, Written and directed by Nicole Hoff Center. And um, I think when we talk about criticism and stuff like that, it's kind of a good example of the film that you think everybody's going to love and the film that everybody may not love. So um, really been getting back into that. The summertime for me is a lot of indie and foreign films in addition to the big blockbusters. So excited for that.
1: Okay, yeah. I was wondering when you were saying like you wanted to counter program, and I'm like, I can watch a really great movie, and then I watch a really awful movie to make sure that I'm balanced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but that's good. That's good. Yeah, that's the thing my parents always told me that I should do mm-hmm. is get like you know like a balance, but I just stick with the sci fi and fantasy. <laughs> it's just yeah. Who I am. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it's good to have you back on the show, Keith. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, and uh next up he is one of the two heads of the american sci-fi classics track and that is our friend gary how are you doing gary i am doing very well sir thank you for having
3: me and uh, it's been a while
1: but yeah it's yeah good to be back. i think i think it was like the the final season of gotham was the last time that we had you on the show
3: yeah it, it, at least it went out well That's...
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, gotham is a
3: study in a show that shaky at the start but finally had their Mm -hmm. what they were doing down by the end
1: yes exactly exactly so how have you been uh throughout these covid years
3: um i've been doing okay i'm i'm growing my sea captain beard Mm -hmm. um you know so that i can do my captain avatar cosplay one day um (laughs) But uh, pretty much just doing stuff with the Classics track, doing stuff with my fiance. uh, She has a geek network, uh, Good to Be a Geek. Mm. uh, Find us at goodtobeageek.com. And we're getting stuff together for that. um, And pretty much. uh, And I changed jobs last summer. And I'm still kind of getting my balance back on that.
1: Mm. So what do you do
3: now? Uh, I ensure people get what's coming to them. (laughs) I work in
1: (laughs) I work in payroll. Oh, okay. <laughs> is that payroll, wink, wink, or is that like just payroll? I'll just
3: leave it for the audience. Well,
1: to... <laughs> <laughs> make sure that the books are all balanced. Exactly. Whatnot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's good to have you back on the show, Gary. Yeah, it's good to be here. All right, next up, she comes to us on loan from the Earth Station One mothership, and that is Ashley. How are you doing, Ashley?
0: Hello, thank you so much for inviting me back. This is the topic I've been thinking about quite a bit personally in terms of fandom and pop culture, so I'm really excited to be part of the conversation tonight.
1: Yeah, I I think, like, when I was thinking of who to have on this this episode, and I was like, well, I mean, someone who writes reviews on a regular basis should really be part of this discussion. So <laughs> your your name instantly rose to the, you know, the top of my head on this.
0: Well, thanks. Yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to. It. I think there's a lot of in-depth and really worthwhile conversation to be had on this topic.
1: Yeah, so how have you been since the last time you were on the show, which I know wasn't that long ago, but yeah
0: good um uh like keith mentioned i always enjoy summer movie season i feel like Mm. there's just something special about going to the theater during the summertime and so um a couple years ago i started treating myself to an amc a-list membership and it really Mm. is a great way to give yourself a chance to go out and experiment and try more films so i don't get to the theater quite as often as i used to with a two-year-old but i still like to get out there and see things on the big screen and um so yeah, lots, lots more to come this summer. So looking forward to seeing that and then uh, talking about it with my friends over on the ESO network.
1: Yeah, well, we're grateful to have you uh, on here for this discussion and uh, it's good to have you back on the show. Thanks. And finally, he is a guy that I met at Chicago TARDIS as we talked on panels and we discovered that we had a lot of things we had in common and that is my buddy, Stephen. How are you doing, Stephen? Good, Nathan. Thank
4: you for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, so how have you been since the last time you were on the show? Oh gosh. Well, uh I've been keeping busy theatrically. Um done uh, I, I did two murder mysteries um live live action sort of with an audience murder script but scripted murder mysteries playing Mm -hmm. different characters and uh that was kind of an interesting experience i had not done one before and then i did two in a row so (laughs) and they're kind of fundraisers too which is nice because you're you're fundraising for theatrical organizations which is Mm -hmm. good and uh and since then i've started rehearsing uh one flew over the cuckoo's nest which Mm. will go up in barrington illinois in july so i'm very excited about that we've got a few weeks in rehearsals um and it's a really phenomenal cast and if you're in the area mid july definitely come see it this is going to be a very lit show
5: very cool
4: it's a, it's a good time to talk about criticism since i've got a show coming up in july so right.
1: <laughs> see how now, kind of your
4: critics uh
1: <laughs> now for your murder mysteries did you play don
4: Knotts in both of them a good no but i did play i played don knots in one as you know uh <laughs> and I, one one day i'm going to do one of these podcasts completely in don Knotts' voice so, <laughs> yes just be ready. Uh,
1: I, I still want you to do uh, like uh, the dialogue from Taken completely in a Don Knotts voice. Yeah, That's I've got the... to do that
4: monologue. <laughs> Apparently, I've got a lot of requests for that. So I need to work that up. So I'm going to be working on it. That. <laughs> that one in my back pocket just for parties. And, and yeah, whatever.
1: yeah. No, man, <laughs> if you have a talent like that, you got to put it to use. Like.
4: <laughs> I, I It's 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 it was good to do it. In I'd had that voice. I'd been working on that voice for thirty years, always just like annoying friends and such. And uh, and and to finally be able to use it for good instead of evil was just a joy. <laughs> oh man,
1: that is so cool. I'm I'm so sorry I wasn't able to go down and see it because that uh, ch- I definitely wanted to see the the play. Um, well,
4: I, I'm sure you will be hearing the Donuts voice again. And and <laughs> if I see you at Chicago TARDIS, I'm sure we'll have a moment. Oh
1: yeah. You should do a whole panel in Don Knotts. And Don, as Don Knotts. As yeah. Don
4: Knotts. <laughs> Ooh, give me an idea. Ooh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Stephen, it is good to have you back on the show. Thanks for having me. All right, so uh, normally we'd have our five-minute controversy here, but you know my policy is now that when we have four guests, we don't do a five-minute po- uh, controversy because then the whole show becomes the five-minute controversy. So we're going to skip that. <laughs> We're going to go into our topic, but first we're going to pause for a promo from another fine podcast.
4: Good afternoon, may we be of assistance, sir?
1: Yes, I'm looking for a podcast for someone who likes that 1960s headache music.
4: Don't these podcasters have
2: atrocious taste? Sir, may I recommend this podcast by monkeying around? I guarantee a migraine. I
1: never heard of monkeying around.
2: You never heard of monkeying around? He's never, never heard, heard of monkeying, monkeying around.
1: Now? What does monkeying around sound like?
2: <laughs> I'll take it. He took it? He took it. Monkeying Around,
5: a podcast about the monkeys. Yeah. What I say.
1: Don't lose your way. Yeah. and we're back and like i mentioned at the top of the show we're talking about the place of criticism in media uh the thing that really kicked this off in my mind was uh an article or actually i saw I saw an interview in a bunch of different places uh, because it was fairly widely publicized that uh, Seth Rogen had done. And in that interview, he talked about the effect that uh, criticism uh, had had on him, criticism of the various movies that he's done um, and uh, about how deeply that that had affected him. And um, the, the, the gist of the article, although he... Uh, seems to stop short of of saying like basically that there should be no criticism is basically seems to be around that sort of idea of like we were we're too critical, we say things about performances and about um, creative works that we shouldn't say. And that speaks to something that I've been seeing a lot on social media lately also, where I will see a lot of people post about that. Um, they'll say things like, if you don't have anything uh, positive uh, to say about a show or a movie, or, or if you have anything that's not, not positive about a show or a movie or anything, just don't say it. Um, so I wanted to talk about that. Um, you know, I wanted to talk about the fact that, you know, because I know people who do reviews, uh, I know people that, you know, comment on the things as they see this whole podcast, you know, a lot of a large portion of what we do is we watch movies and we shows and we talk about it. Um, and so I wanted to sort of get my hands around this because I think that there's a lot of aspects of this discussion. And I think that sometimes it gets conflated into one thing when yeah. I think we're not always talking about the same thing. so, huh. um and and Stephen, you had also shared an article. Uh, that I'm gonna put in the show notes uh, about a person who um who um, I mean, basically he uh met Steven Sondheim and he saw one of his shows. and um he didn't he didn't have uh, anything uh, really positive to say about it. And like, basically, when he talked to him later, couldn't think of what to say, and it was kind of awkward and uncomfortable and kind of it talked around sort of the same idea of, you know, criticism and you know how things come off to people and whatnot um so before we get started on this actual topic though I do want to just take a step back and say what I am not talking about here what I don't want us to discuss is trolling because trolling I think we can all agree and if anyone disagrees with me after I speak disagree with me but trolling being the thing where somebody is deliberately trying to hurt someone's feelings by uh, either saying that, uh, you know, making comments about how they should die, uh, you know, saying things about them as a person rather than the creative work or the performance that they're working on, or someone who is a fan of something to go after them personally to, you know, say things about them for liking or disliking something, because I've seen it both ways, Um, or, uh, you know, basically like when it becomes personal, and so that is not what we're talking about here, because that is categorically wrong. If you are someone who engages in that activity, please seek mental help, uh, because there is something wrong. <laughs> Nothing about fiction or about uh, enjoyment or entertainment should cause you to make death threats. Um, you know, that that is what it is. Um, but yeah, no, does anyone disagree with that?
4: not, not, at, all. not okay. at all okay all right hey. I, i'm
1: tempted to troll you and say I have to <laughs> <with that. laughs> because sometimes i think though that that gets conflated into it when people like start talking about well you know people shouldn't criticize because then they just make death threats and stuff like that and i'm like whoa whoa, 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 we're talking about something different because mm-hmm. that's that's a different thing all right so right. just taking uh those articles. Uh, did uh, did anyone else have a chance to read the article that steven posted yeah okay keith did you have a chance to read the article that steven posted okay yes all right so yeah so most of you saw that article as well okay um so so yeah i mean just just taking these two articles you know or or just the seth rogan interview Mm -hmm. you know what are your thoughts just on the surface of what is being written like do you think that this you know what what it would be what is your reaction um especially to the Seth Rogen interview um and so let's start with you on this one uh, Ashley
0: yeah so um when as soon as I saw that um Seth Rogen article I um looked through his comments and really spent a lot of time thinking about it because I mean Seth Rogen is a person and he matters and like his feelings are valuable but On the other hand, I'm really concerned whenever anybody tries to restrict or limit film criticism because I think it's a very important part of our artistic experience as humans. And I think there's definitely, like you said, a difference between honest, in-depth, well-thought-out, good-faith criticism, and then just attacking somebody. And also, I think something that Seth Rogen is—I mean, I'm not a famous person, so I can't really comment, but— Something that he's forgetting, I think, is that all of us, we spend our hard-earned money to go out and watch these movies that he gets paid millions of dollars for. And so by buying a ticket to his film, I think that as a reviewer, I have then earned the right to write out my thoughts about him. Now, would I go up to Seth Rogen in person and say those things? Absolutely not, no. But I think that it is fair for as a person who consumes media and enjoys pop culture for me to be able to express my opinions in an honest and well thought out way because um the world would be a really boring place if we all liked the same things and only thing that everybody allowed to say was positive about any sort of artistic work and I'll just say some of my favorite podcasts have been ones where there have been thoughtful disagreements. I will say um, one of my favorite podcasts actually was one of the 42 cast recordings when we talked about The Eternals. It was not a movie I liked at all. The panel was pretty much split down the middle, but... I will always remember that as a really great conversation. It didn't change my mind about the film. It's still one of my least favorite MCU movies, but I felt like it was a really great use of my time and I enjoyed the back and forth discussions. So I think that if we try to restrict film criticism too much, we can miss out on really in-depth conversations like that that help us to process media and think about it. So yeah, I think that while it's good for critics to be mindful of how they sit and where they say what they say um, to say that we need to stop any kind of negative uh, discussion surrounding pop culture, I don't think is healthy.
3: Right. Gary. Yeah. I'm very much in a similar boat. I wrote my, I got my teeth cut doing professional nerd stuff, writing reviews for revolution SF, which is how I got with Joe and did the classic track. And there's kind of, I think, of nuance here that Ashley touched on of we do need to discuss them. We do need to discuss what worked, what didn't, but we also have to keep in mind that even for a critic is as, as neutral as a critic may try to be, it's still their own personal opinion. And that's why, you know, I grew up not able to go to the movies. My experience of getting to see movies until they hit cable was watching at the movies with Siskel and Ebert. Mm. And I always loved and respected Ebert as a reviewer specifically because he was able to say, I'm not a fan of this particular genre, this movie is, but if you are a fan of this genre, it hits these boxes that it's supposed to hit and you will like it. He was able to separate his personal from, you know, whether or not it worked, you know, judge it on its merits. Not like one time there was a wonder, I forget what movie it was, where Siskel was, raging at some movie and Ebert because they should have done this and they should have done that. And they should have done this. And Ebert looked at him and said, how about you review the movie we saw instead of the one you wanted? Right. And so, and the other half of it is being the internet these days, the easiest way to get engagement and clicks in media is to hate on something. mm mm-hmm. Uh, there's a critic uh, movie Bob the biggest hits he ever got from his YouTube channel was when he tore pixels to pieces which frankly I felt it deserved but that's it, it but he was just so raging at that movie that just drove the engagement through the roof. So now a lot of critics and everything these days will do that they will you know this movie is trash the people who made it is trash and da-da-da. and there is a line of, being able to say, I don't like this movie, here's why it didn't work, versus going, yeah, Seth Rogen's an idiot, and he shouldn't have done this, and this movie was terrible because of, like like Ashley was saying, don't make it personal. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem now, because, like I said, the, the way you get the hits and the engagement is to do that, and I'm not sure how we combat that.
1: Okay. Um, Keith?
2: Keith? Yeah, I agree with that. I think I think it's important. What I always think about is there's a difference between critique and criticism. Mm. And critique is a thing where one has skill and one has practiced it and one has gotten better at it. It's like being a good essayist. We can all write an opinion. We can all write an essay, especially nowadays with all the the, the tools we have, the digital tools and the social media tools. But you can not have a chatbot who... write the essay for you. Exactly right. But that's not the same as writing a good essay. Right. That's not the same as being an essayist. Everybody has an opinion, but not everybody is a good debater. Those are two different things. Mm-hmm. And so what, what happens, I think, is two things. One, and then there's two things here. One, in the new realm of social media, everybody has an opinion. And as Gary and Ashley just said, what happens is a lot of people just attack something. I hate the movie. The movie sucks. I can't stand Seth Rogan. He sucks. Um, you know, I don't like, um, um, I heard somebody criticizing Zack Snyder. Uh, They talked about his movies are basically, um, you know, he talked about they're just basically disaster porn that Zack Snyder gets off on this kind of stuff. Well, that's that's modern social media. But then there's also critics back before we had social media who had a habit of attacking things they don't like. I think about, for example, he's not a critic, but Martin Scorsese and arguably one of the greatest directors of all time. Martin Scorsese has said very recently that superhero movies and comic book-based movies aren't real movies, and he feels they're destroying parts of Hollywood because they suck the oxygen out of the rest of the air. He has right to write that opinion, but I then would not do a lot of, I wouldn't read a lot of film critique that Martin Scorsese ran, ran uh, right because he has a bias against superhero and comic book movies. He may be a great critic for action movies and thrillers and so forth, So I think that you, what you have to look at when you're doing a real critic, I think what people have forgotten in this time where everybody has an opinion, and also like what Gary brought up, is film criticism is like any other profession, whether you get paid for it or not, it's something you have to work at, and it's something you have to become better at. It's a skill that you have. It's a way to have objectivity and say, this didn't work for me, and here's why. Here are the things that you consider. And it's not just about criticizing a movie, it's critiquing a movie. Again, two totally different things. Why do you not love this movie? Why do I like this movie, but it's not as good as it could have been? Case in point for me personally, I went to see yesterday a movie that some people looking at me would go, huh, that doesn't fit. You know, a middle-aged black man from Texas living in Atlanta. I went to see a movie written by a white woman about upper middle class white people in New York called You Hurt My Feelings, starting Julie Louis-Dreyfus. But, and it's a small movie where quote unquote nothing happens. But it's also a slice of life and it's about real people. At the end of the day, it's like what we're talking about now. Literally the point of the movie is, Julie louis Dreyfus's character who is an author finds out her husband doesn't like her book and it destroys her because she thought he was, he was expressing an opinion and it, and it crushed her. But one of the reasons I went to go see the movie is I listened to a lot of critics. And they said, you know, this is not fantastic. It's a really good movie, but it's a small movie. It's not something where you're going to go, oh, this awesome thing happened. But I came away thinking about life. Had I not heard some good, some critics talk about that movie, I don't know that I would have gone to spend the money on it because I'm also going to see in, Into the Spider-Verse. And I actually bumped into the Spider-Verse for this movie because I wanted to see a small movie that just made me think about human life instead of a big movie that's all about action and adventure. And doing that is because I listened to critics who I trusted to give me a good opinion on that movie. And I think that's what we forget, that a good critic helps you think about not just the movie, but what the movie is talking about, life and relationships, and what that can make you think of in addition to you like superhero movies, but hey, have you ever considered seeing this foreign film from Argentina with the original subtitles? Listen to a good critic, and maybe you'll expand your horizons. I think what's going on is we tend to think now that critics do nothing but
4: criticize. Mm-hmm. And what we really should be doing is look at critics who critique.
1: Okay. Stephen?
4: Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I had sort of a, a panoply of thoughts reading that of... Um right off the bat and they just sort of came at me like a torrent mm-hmm. um from and and um to kind of preface a bit of of uh, you know I, I i can understand where seth rogan is coming from mm-hmm. ha- having be being a, an actor and having received um both positive and negative reviews um i do kind of understand how that hits and i i, I can empathize with what he was talking about in that article at the same time feeling that there's there's a I wanna I wanna put this the right way there's 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 an adage in theater of of one of the first adages I learned in theater is, is DTIP don't take it personally. Uh it's it's kind of the, the theatrical version of don't read the comments. All right. Um you know <laughs> and and and, and it, it's very true because, um, it, it, if you do, it's very easy to read criticism on something that you have created and to take it very personally, because when you create in that sense, you are kind of exposing a bit of yourself. You're, 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 you're bearing part of your soul and, and like the, uh, the Jason Robert Brown blog post that I, that I linked to that, um, that I sent out that, that, you know, it does. It does leave the artist in a very vulnerable place. So I I understand how all of that hits, Um, but I also feel that for someone like Seth Rogen, who th- this is his job, and in a sense, everyone at a, who's ever had a job has faced a period of a performance review, where. <laughs> You hear criticism, both good and bad, and hopefully it's constructive, even if it's negative, it's somewhat constructive. Um, And when that is your job, in a sense, reviews are kind of your performance review. Uh, how did you do on this particular task? And sometimes you did really well and sometimes you didn't. Um, and sometimes it just didn't hit people the right way or hit some people the right way and not others. You you have a lot of bosses when you're in this profession. <laughs> so um, you get a lot of performance reviews and you get them uh, fairly often. Uh, and at some level, you kind of have to not pay that much attention to it and kind of not take those things personally like if you're if you're going to read the reviews you should be prepared to not take them personally and if you can't do that then maybe you shouldn't read them for 5 10 years and just do your art and make your make your movies and and say what you want to say and just keep going i i don't know why he was reading those reviews to begin with and it's it, it's a little different from friends I have who do like uh, community theater, who this is not their job. They're, they're you know, they are evenings and weekends and they're rehearsing and they're doing shows on weekends and they're not getting paid for it. They're doing it because it's fun. And uh, I have a couple of friends who review those shows and they feel, I, I've talked to them about their reviews and they, they feel that when they write reviews of those kinds of things, they have to be very careful to not give withering criticism to people because this is not their job so the tone of the review is very different um and i I think it's there's there's it's somewhat situational and and somewhat uh there's got to be a context to the review um and we're also in an age where thanks to the internet everybody's a critic uh but but that also plays into the context and the and the tones of the review and i agree with uh, with, with keith and Gary and ashley about uh movie criticism I, I i grew up reading gene siskel reading his reviews uh in the chicago tribune and yeah. he was a real formative film critic for me uh as i was growing up and really fostered a lot of love of film um and he didn't not always because he loved a film but a good critic will both show you parts of who they are so that when you read the reviews you have the context of knowing where they're coming from how they're coming into a film and then how you might come into a film which would be from a very different place and a good critic will review a film in a way that gives you an opportunity to re- to, to consider it within your headspace and where you're coming into it um and also uh, a film critic a good film critic you have kind of a relationship with, and you kind of know where their biases are. And I think that's a good thing because then you kind of know how to weigh that criticism that they're giving. And they'll also find, they'll review all aspects of a film and not just, you know, whether or not they liked it or not, or whether it was funny or not, or whether, you know, they'll talk about the the cinematography, they'll talk about the music, they'll talk about all the different, and tell you what they thought worked and what didn't in, in, in detail that gives you some sort of understanding going into a film i've read negative reviews for films that made me want to go see the movie just because i knew the critic and i knew their biases and the way they wrote about the film made me think okay this is going to hit me a little differently than it did you so i i think there's a real place for for good criticism but you know again it's and it's different on a professional level both crit, both on a professional critics and professional actors and professional artists that, you know, it's, it's different from the, the everyday, the, the people who, um, you know, the, the people doing the community shows and the people who are posting on the internet and, and they're kind of two different beasts and they often get conflated and we, we should really, you know, be careful about who we're reading and and take that into consideration. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. That was that went on a long while. But
1: <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. But you did you did get the what I was I was going to compare it to a performance review also, and you got there before I did. So <laughs> um, but that's the thing. So okay, I actually had uh so Chicago TARDIS before COVID used to do a thing where you could have brunch uh with the various guests that they had. And I was able to sit with an actress and she was complaining about uh criticism and critics and whatnot and one of the points that she made i feel is uh basically a fallacy which is she said well if you buy a refrigerator you don't criticize the refrigerator you may never buy that brand again but you don't criticize the refrigerator and i'm thinking wait a minute everyone every big product that you buy has like the card that says how do you like this product and we want you to fill out this card and and send it back so that we know like whether or not you know this this thing has functioned the way you want or if there are features that you want or whatever so to me like even based on that and the idea of you know no matter what it is you do whether you make something or whether you know you're performing something i would think that you would want to do better you know i mean because that's one of the things that my job that we're constantly talking about is how can we make the things that we make better you know like whether because we're expanding what they can do or because we're making it more cheaply or whatever you know so that way in some way the consumer uh benefits and i get that art and construction you know engineering are you know like different in some you know but but they're also the same in some ways too Mm -hmm. and i have certainly had criticism from my boss that sometimes i feel is unfair you know Mm -hmm. other times i get criticism that i feel is fair and it's like oh that's something that i have to work on you know Mm -hmm. and so like but that's the thing i have to have the you know ability to sort of factor through like what i you know just let the stuff that i feel is unfair wash over me and you know take on board the things that i think will actually benefit my ability to you know to do better and that's the same thing that i would say you know like it's concerning to me because i i would never want to hurt somebody's feelings but at the same time i would think as an artist like if you look out at a theater say steven and you don't see many people in the seats You know, do you wonder why, why, why aren't people there? Why aren't people coming to the show? You know, and that's the way you find out maybe by looking at like what people are writing about the show. And then maybe then you find out, you know, what are the things that, you know, are keeping people from coming to the show? And maybe those are things that you can, you know, that, that the director can change about the show that you can change about the, you know, whatever, but it's things that, you know, can be done to improve it.
4: Right. Yeah, one, I think that actress's analogy is a bit off because if she's ever been in my house, I'm, I'd be criticizing that refrigerator every time I open the door and usually with swear words.
5: But,
4: <laughs> but, but no, I, I your, your point is spot on. And in fact, that's how shows get developed. You know, um, any, any big musical you see on stage has been workshopped through several cities with full audiences who have bought tickets. And some of the show works and some of it doesn't, but they take that feedback in and make modifications to the show. Um, One of the examples I use is the producers, which I think debuted in Chicago, made the run of Cities on Broadway, and then toured Chicago years later as a touring company. The people who saw the show when it opened in Chicago and later saw the tour when it came through Chicago, saw two very different shows because it had gone through so many changes Up through that point, up to getting to Broadway. And that's, Mm. there's a function to that. There's a reason why that exists. That was bent, that was to the benefit of the show. Mm. So I think you're, you're, you're spot on, really.
1: Yeah. And of course, there are going to be those reviewers and critics that even they, they they get published, but they do, they have some sort of like something that, you know, just is a stick that they have up their own, you know, rear. And, and, and they're going to, they're going to say something is awful, even when like everybody else is saying that it's great. But, you know, that's the thing. Like I would, I would expect somebody who does this as a career to have the ability to like sort of wash out stuff like that, where it's like, yeah, this is awful, that this one person wrote a scathing review. But, you know, if it's if it's just one person, you know, that's not a that's not an issue, you know, to just <laughs> let it wash over you. Right. You know, yeah. and to, I, yeah. I don't know
4: for me, is it for me as an artist, whenever, you know, I I've, I've had, you know. Good comments if, if I get good comments and and I've had bad reviews. Um and and the good comments are always appreciated. And I really mm. I do like those. But when I know somebody who has a bad a bad comment or a bad review, I, that's the person I want to talk to. <laughs> um, you kind of we kind of gravitate toward that really. And I think part yeah. of that is because we do want to improve and we wonder we want to know well, what didn't work for you? And is that something that translates to other people? Um, mm. if you can again. Remove the personal from the professional, which is always, always the goal, I think. And that's, that's where I think Seth Rogan kind of, in his article, I felt like that's a place he needs, I, I would recommend that he try to get to.
3: Well, and that's something I, I, I want to touch on too, because, you know, he says, I wanted to get the exact quote here of, it's devastating. I know people who never recover from it, honestly, years, decades of being hurt by reviews. And as someone who I'm not done any actual performing aside from being on panels at DragonCon, which you know that I I think that counts a little bit. I think it counts. Is you know we at the you know a few months later we get our review. You know people leave comments, mm. and I can tell you I've got comment. I get a lot of positive comments, but I've got a few negative comments that just stick in your brain, <laughs> and they won't go away. And it's <laughs> like it, it just, and it's just because of that. Part of it's the ego of like, I'm trying to entertain people. I'm trying to give everybody a good time. I'm trying to help everybody. And there's that one guy (laughs) who didn't like it. And that's the only one you're going to remember. And that's part of it, I think, is the performer ego. I mean, we people get on stage for a lot of different reasons, but there is a small part of it that's always... I want to perform and be seen mm-hmm. and for people to like me. And then when someone and when it doesn't work, it it just sticks in you. So I think that's what he, he I, I agree with Stephen is like, you've got to learn to wash that out. But it's hard sometimes. Yeah,
4: it is hard. It's really hard because you've 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 invested part of your soul in in what you're doing. I mean, it's 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 a different approach to a lot of other you know, like a nine to five job, which, you know, I work a nine to five job too. So I, you know, I don't invest my soul in my nine to five job, but I do on stage. And so, yeah, it, it does leave you in a more vulnerable space. And so I, I understand when that, when that hits, um, I got a negative review from a, a show I did. Oh gosh, what would that be like? 10, 10 years ago, something like that. And the show was really good. And we, the audiences loved the show. And there was one critic who liked the show gave a positive review to the show but um had negative comments for me and one other cast member because he didn't like what we did with our characters and i remember i didn't read the review initially i didn't even know the review existed until the producer texted me and is like this guy's full of crap and i'm like wait what did he say <laughs> and i was glad that i was glad that he gave the show a good review and uh, you know, and I, I talked to a couple of other cast members who uh, had had other had also been reviewed by him for other shows. Uh, it was the first time I'd been reviewed by him, um, so I wasn't really familiar with him. And and one of my castmates, mates, um, uh, very dear friend, who'd said uh, the guy just doesn't understand comedy. That's part of his problem. He doesn't understand comedy. So I was playing a very broad comic character, and it just didn't work for him and and so was my the other castmate who is uh who was also negatively reviewed in that show we were playing very broad comic characters in a, in a musical that were most of the other characters were not quite as broad we were probably the more broad characters and so um so you know it gave some context to those comments and you know i went back to think well what is it about my performance and and ultimately i had to land on you know basically sort of as a performance review. Did I do my job? Did I do what the director and producer wanted me to do, what they cast me to do, what they directed me to do? Did I do those things or did I fall short? And in the end, I felt like I did those things. I did exactly what I was supposed to do and I gave the performance that they wanted. And so in a sense, I was able to remove that personal feeling from the review because I had done the job and he, it didn't work for him. And that's okay. And it, it's one of the things that led me to, and I think Nathan, you and I have talked about this before. I have this, I've gotten to this place where I, now we're uh, with art that I feel like, and we all have things that we like and things that we don't like or whatever. And I feel like, I, I, I think that art should be appreciated at some level by somebody because people put their heart and soul and a lot of money into it. And it needs to be appreciated by somebody. But that doesn't always have to be me so when i find somebody who really loves something that i don't like i'm ecstatic i'm very very happy because i feel like that thing is going to be loved and somebody's going to appreciate it on a level that i can't see so that's good and i feel like for some critics again each critic is an individual so i'm not going to please everybody with every performance Mm -hmm. um there may be somebody who doesn't like what i do okay i'll see if there's anything i can take from that that will change how I approach something. but in the in the meantime, if it did work for other people, then that's a context for those comments that I need to put into how I receive that,
1: yeah. I, I think, yeah. I mean, definitely when we're talking about something where it's like you get a mix of positive and negative, I mean, Seth Rogan, you know, has been in some things that have largely been panned, you know, kind of <laughs> across the board. And you know, I, I get that that's that's harder because then it's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, you know, every, you know, like there isn't like, a oh, well, some say good, some say bad, you know, just kind of wash, wash over me kind of thing. But I don't think that that negates the, you know, like the effectiveness of what a review is supposed to do. But I mean, and that's the thing, like all forms of art have critiques to mm-hmm. Keith's word, you know, like people who like their their profession is to whether it's a painting or whether it's something written novels uh whether it's a movie whatever all forms of art have people that their job is to review that art for others and to say you know what they think about it so this is not a new thing this is not like an unusual thing um and and the thing is the job of the reviewer critic whatever you want to call it is never to hurt someone's feelings right but if you don't believe a performance A movie or whatever is good then you should write it but you should justify that with the reasons why you know what are you coming to and what do you bring that and if that's done and if the and if the perform and the reviews are are fairly consistent in what they're saying about something you know it's one of those things where i don't think that we should you know restrain that just because then that's hard for the artist for the creator to mm-hmm. to take because that's that's just the way that you know like the, the people who are reviewing it i mean that's that's what they're getting out of it
2: yeah i think one of the things that's going on is how society has changed in our relationship with movies mm-hmm. for example i know a lot of people who yeah i've said that during the summer really all year long i love watching independent films i watch foreign mm-hmm. films with the, you know the subtitles blah 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 and um i know a lot of people who pretty much their attitude is, look, if I'm going to the movie and spend money at the theater, I'm going to go see a movie that I'm going to have fun in. So they're going to go see Guardians of the Galaxy. They're going to go see Fast and the Furious. You know, Spending money on a small... There was a movie by Chloe Zhao, speaking of the Eternals, called The Writer. It's one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. She also did another movie called Songs My Brother Taught Me. She is a phenomenal director. And those movies had really good critical reviews. And I went to see them, and I was completely blown away by them. But nowadays, and this has been going on since the 60s and the 70s, you have people who are are saying, I'm gonna go see this movie regardless. It doesn't matter if Fast 10 gets negative reviews. People are gonna go see it. Mm -hmm. Speaking personally, one of the worst movies I have seen in the last several years was Batman v Superman. I despise that movie, despise it. It made hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars at the box office. The worst reviewed superhero movie to date still makes a whole bunch of money at the box office. Because there's a whole bunch of people who are just going to go see it. And mm-hmm. they're not expecting it to be Shakespeare. They're not expecting it to be Citizen Kane. They want to go have a good time during Christmas or Thanksgiving or the summer. And nothing you say about it is going to make them not go to the theater. A spectacle. Those, exactly. And those people see no need for critics. And then they, they've they gone from seeing no need for critics. Because there was, there was a really, really, really famous critic back in the day named Pauline Kael. She's considered one of the most famous um, film critics in in history. Mm-hmm. Although people had a lot of issues with her because she could be really acerbic. But she actually ha- helped shape how sometimes movies were done, what types of movies people looked at, getting away from just like the standard Western or the cop movie of the day. She helped people kind of expand their horizons. Well, sometimes people nowadays, they don't, they don't want that. They're not going to go see a foreign film. They're not going to go see the writer. They're going to go see Fast X. And and in some ways I'm seeing what's going on is it's going from people not paying attention to the critics to now becoming almost hostile towards the critics. Mm -hmm. So it's it's not just the actors and the directors. Sometimes it's the users. I have people who, when I've told them I haven't liked some some movies, they're like, well, um, why are you bagging on the movie? If you don't like it, just leave it alone. That's your personal opinion. No, I have an opinion and it may sway me. If I had read, for example... um, the Justice League movie, I, I just again, I, I despise Batman v Superman. When the Justice League movie came out by Zack Snyder, it didn't get great reviews. And I was on the fence about whether I wanted to go see it. I didn't have to see it in the theater, therefore I did not pay, um, you know, when there was like some releases in theater, I didn't go see it because I, the reviews were like, eh, it's okay. And I thought, I can save my money and watch that at home. That's what a good critic does for me. But there are a lot of people who are becoming increasingly hostile toward criticism because again, these are people, they're starting to think that critics are just criticizing and they don't understand mm-hmm. the difference between critique and they take it very personally. And mm-hmm. I think, yeah. and again, what happens is people like that get limited and I don't want to come off like a film snob because that's one of the things that happens when people discuss critics. So, you know, they're going to say, oh, there's a guy on there talking about watching foreign films and stuff like that. He's <laughs> one of them. He's one of the enemy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but you really don't know uh, in my life, because I live in Atlanta it has all these great small theaters, Movies I saw, because critics told me they were good movies throughout my life, were The Joy Luck Club, Like Water for Chocolate, uh, a movie from Argentina called The Secret in Their Eyes, um, uh, Kenneth Branagh's Much Ado About Nothing, which is mm. a fantastic movie.
0: Yes, it is. And
2: mm-hmm. guess what? A little film that started out as an indie film that I read through critique, Robocop, oh, was mm-hmm. a big yep. blockbuster relief. That's what critics can do for you if you let them. Critics can help expand. Um, if you're just determined to see a movie, don't, don't read the, the review of it. But let critics help you make decisions and let them point you in directions you may never gonna, may see again. You're gonna go see Little Meme, fine. But go see Julia Louis-Dreyfus and you hurt my feelings after critics like myself say, it's worth watching. And I think that's the problem because people are becoming hostile toward critics now, not just the actors or the studios.
0: Yeah, I feel like they really focus on the negative aspect of, again, mm-hmm. the word criticism versus critique yeah. versus, yeah, they can show an important spotlight. And I mean, I have also used... um film critics. Like on uh, Mother's Day, I decided to take myself out for a treat and go to the movies. And there were several that I was interested to see. And I did look through and see, you know, what are people saying about these movies? Which one are am I going to see? Because again, as a parent of a toddler, my time is limited. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to treat myself to something, the movie theater, I want something that's going to inspire me, make me to think, be entertaining. So I think that it can yeah, definitely play a good role. And I know that when I review a movie, the two things I try to keep top of mind is I want to do something that's nuanced and also something that inspires discussion because I think so much in this, where with um, fandom and pop culture, we're getting pushed to these polar extremes like the super negative rants or to the point where it's almost like, I've heard it called toxic positivity, like everything, mm-hmm. <laughs> we have to celebrate it. It's all got to be good. Yeah. Or you can't say anything. Yeah. And I think neither one of those are healthy. Like there are plenty of movies I watch where it's like, there are things I enjoy, but things I don't as much Um, like guardians of the galaxy volume three, there were things that I didn't care for about the movie, but there were things that I also respect and um thought were done well. So just labeling that as a straight, like, Oh, negative rant or like super positive celebration, neither would be accurate to the um, type of review I ended up landing on. And then also um, when I write a review, I try to think, you know, will this motivate people? Like if I'm going to post this in the ESO podcast um, Facebook page, will this inspire discussion? And again, if it's just like this movie was terrible, it was garbage. Anyone who likes it is trash. That's not going to inspire the type of comments that will lead to an in-depth, really good discussion. But on the other hand, if I'm like, this is my favorite movie of all time, I don't care what anybody else has to say about it. If you don't like this movie, you are trash. Like, that's not going to create a discussion either. So I think that's what good um, a good film critique should do is, even if you don't agree with the review itself, I have gotten critiques of my critiques before, which I've i'm always like bring it on i want to hear it but if it it should inspire you to think a little bit about more about why something did or did not work for you so yeah just inspiring more discussion is what i think the ultimate goal of um film discussion criticism should be
1: yeah because we've been talking about a bit about like uh, using um you know critical reviews and whatnot and, and again critical being just you know the word for just to review mm-hmm. um but, you know, to sort of guide your choices. But I also sometimes on the back end, like to after I've seen a movie, yes. and I have a strong reaction one way or the other. But there are reviews out there where it seems like I I'm not coming from the same place. You know, the general opinion seems to be negative, but I'm really positive or vice versa. You know, I am really negative, but the general reviews from everybody seem to be um, positive. I like to read the reviews to sort of see where people are coming from. You know that are coming at it from a different direction because i feel like that helps me sort of process you know the movie experience and understand you know what it is that you know i saw so differently than what they did and i think that there's a lot of value in that also it's kind of like why i like having the discussions on the 42 cast too because like i really like finding out why you know every you know like different people felt different ways about something and i feel like that helps me sometimes like something that i didn't like sometimes i began looking at it in a different light a perfect example zack snyder's justice league the the you know the version (laughs) he actually did um Uh, 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 I had uh, Lucas on the podcast and he just started talking about it in such glowing terms and explaining like the thought process and everything. And I'm like, if that's not the way Zack Snyder was thinking about it, he did a good job of making up something that sounded plausible. <laughs> <when> it's, like, <laughs> it's still not my favorite, uh, you know, movie of all time, but he, he certainly raised it in my mind because he had me thinking about sort of like what Snyder was doing with Superman throughout all of those three movies and like what the sort of point of it was and all of that in a way that it was like okay that actually makes sense to me and i think as a whole now i feel better about those movies than i did initially just watching them through so um you know and that's the power of it i mean that is the power like you know people look at it and say it criticism and they think it's all negative but no i mean there's the power of 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 a review an opinion Mm -hmm. about something that you know to actually make somebody feel better about you know something that they've seen also so
2: Yeah. yeah i think what you said is what you're bringing to what you want like for example um it's so funny that you say that because i watched i I'm one of the rare people who does not love the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. I like them. I don't love them. I saw the first one. I thought it was fine. I did not lose my mind over it like a lot of people did, Mm -hmm. and that's not a criticism. I it just didn't, you know. To me, if you talk about MCU movies, I'm forever babbling about the Winter Soldier, which I've probably Mm -hmm. seen 20 times. (laughs) You know, it was so close to the comic books, and I just love that movie. But then I grew up in 1960s and 70s espionage thrillers. You know, Mm -hmm. like Three Days of the Condor and so forth. Long story short, so. I like Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't love them. So I saw the third one. It was fine. I enjoyed it. It felt a little overstuffed. It felt a little dark to me. And to your point, uh, Nathan, I was like, "Well, huh, I wonder why I feel this way." I just want to get deeper into my thoughts. And then, actually, I read your review of it, and your review of it actually was I thought was fair, and it made me think the same things. And you pretty much said, "Not my favorite." You know, still had a good time. A little darker than I expected. And what I can't got from your review was if you absolutely love to go into the galaxy of movies, go see it. If you don't love them, you'll still get something out of it, but it wasn't a horrible movie. And as you're saying, that's what I think a critic should do for you. Now, if you just want an opinion, you just go on Facebook and, and read 10,000 people's opinions. But again, that's different from a well-written critique. And I think you have to be open to critique and criticism. But if all we do is look at people's opinions, you know, Stephen, it's like you, if you just get some, if you get literally a heckler and then I read that heckler and that heckler happens to be actually a good writer, but they're not a good analyst, what yeah. good is that doing me If I for your play? And I think that's one of the things we're going on. So as you said with Seth Rogen, if, if that's something he can't handle, mm-hmm. I don't mean this in a negative way, then don't read the reviews. I, I completely agree with that. Denzel Washington doesn't watch his own movies. Some Some actors can't watch their own mm-hmm. work. Because they yeah. criticize themselves to death. Mm-hmm. Oh, I do that yeah. all the time. Yeah,
4: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, completely understand. Yeah,
2: yeah,
5: and I
3: do want to throw out there that a good mm-hmm. negative review should do that, or a good positive review of a movie you don't like. A good review should give you more insight both into the 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 whatever it's reviewing and yourself, mm-hmm. like. You were saying it's like, oh, now I, I understand why Guardians of the Galaxy didn't work for me because it didn't work for them. Whereas mm-hmm. if it's nothing but the gushing praise, then it's like, okay, well, or, or the same thing. If this sucks, I tell people all the time when we ask for the feedback in the app, of like, please tell me why it, you didn't like it. It sucks is not something I can work with. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that was bad. Okay, yes. why? I yeah. can't work with that. but. I think a, a part of it is that, like we were saying, that toxic positivity. There are a lot of people who, especially online, have built their identity around loving something or hating something.
5: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, there, there's a whole group. I like to the the. It rhymes with Random Dennis, who may be the people who purport to love a property more than life itself, but all they do is whine on YouTube about how much it's been destroyed. And and you can tell looking at the thumbnails, I'm not going to get anything out of this except for the equi- emotional vomit yeah. about this. And how dare you like this product now because we hate it? Or how dare you hate this product because we love it? They've wrapped their identity in it so much that there is no conversation with them, good or bad. And it's, and it's kind of bleeding out into other people. I mean, I'm a full believer in don't yuck somebody's yum. If someone says, I loved the writer, great. I, if I didn't, if it's not on my page, I'll just say, you know, great. I'm glad you like it. It didn't work for me. I might say that much at the most, but I, if I've got nothing deeper than to, to say than that, I move on. Now, if it's on my page and I say, hey, I really hate Scott Pilgrim. And you come to me, then we can have a discussion, but you've come to me on my page. Or if I have come in and said, hey, I really love whatever this is, and you come in, oh, that's terrible. How can you like that? Again, make it something I can work with. Don't just tell me this sucks, and you suck because you you don't like it, or you suck because you do like it. It's like, "Mm -hmm, there's no conversation here. Go away.
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I think one of the things that drove me to want to do this is because I see an increasing number of people who are posting on Facebook, not that, oh, well, like, you know, people are coming and attacking me, but it's like, you shouldn't be posting on your own wall that you don't like something. And that's one of the <laughs> things that I like heavily resist the notion of that. It's like, if you find the things that I write so painful that, that you can't read them then unfollow me, I guess. Like, I don't want you to, but it's just like, that might be what you need to do. But to insist that other people change their behavior, you know, on their own page, because, you know, somehow that that's hurting you for them to express displeasure with something or vice versa to say that they like something that you like really, really hate, you know, like that's a problem to me because it's like everybody should be allowed to put on their own page whether they like or dislike something, you know, like I'm not talking yeah. about a thing that's just like vitriol. Right, I'm just like, you know, I don't like this. You know, <laughs> that's the kind. You know, like I don't like these shows or I don't like things by this director or whatever. You know, like I can say that on my own page because yeah. it's my own
2: page. <laughs> yeah, we've seen that a lot recently. Um, since I'm I'm a huge Star Trek fan, it is mm. easily my, my my favorite science fiction of all time. And when you go on the Facebook groups. As everybody knows, the, the so-called new track has been controversial. I personally don't like the J.J. Abrams movie. I just don't like their existence. I don't hate them. I just don't like them. I'm divided on Discovery. Couldn't stand the first two seasons of Picard. Loved the third season. And I'm always in these groups. And to your point, Nathan, you'll see somebody say, I didn't really like you know, this season of Discovery. And then people will say, well, if you don't like it, don't watch. And I'm like, well, heck, that helps nothing. Yeah. You have, you now have no conversation, and where do you go from there? Or somebody will get smart and say, you do realize this is a group dedicated to Star Trek Discovery, don't you? Why are you criticizing? And I'm thinking, well, why not? Again, let the person have an opinion. And to your point, sometimes maybe you can help somebody because in a, a series that's 10, 13, 20-some-odd episodes, maybe someone can say, well, stick with it. It gets better. Or, you know, from this season, yeah, these weren't that good, but, man, episodes 7, eight, 9 are phenomenal. But if all you do is attack somebody because you do not want them to ever not like your property, we're not having good conversations at all. And or there's no the, oh good. sorry. Or on hmm? the
1: other side, there's the all new track is trash and it's been ruined and you know <laughs> yes. everything else, or it's just yes. like all right. But have you watched all of new track to have that opinion, Why? or yeah. did you just yeah. see like the first two episodes of Discovery and then decide? that all new Trek is garbage because I'll yeah. agree. I did not like the first two episodes of discovery, but it gets a lot better. So mm-hmm.
3: like, you know, yeah. yeah. Alex Kurtzman has been hired, fired once a week on the internet right? <laughs> for how many years now? Uh, yeah, Kathleen
1: Kennedy is, is constantly yeah. being fired too. And well, how can you uh,
4: have a conversation about uh, any kind of in-depth conversation? If you can't discuss the individual episodes and what works for you and what right. doesn't and what you, 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 otherwise it's a very superficial conversation she might as well just be posting pictures all day
1: yeah so- I, I I, mean I, I'll put the controversy out there I don't think season one of strange new worlds was the slam dunk that it seems that 99% of my Facebook friends think it was I, I like her.
3: it. you are wrong I like <laughs> it
2: but I, mean, I don't think it was just
0: perfect. <laughs> that's it,
2: I'm out. I, I got you yeah. back, Nathan. I completely agree with you there. <laughs> that's why I said I wanted you I, when we reviewed yeah. season two. Yeah. I want you on
1: that because I saw what you were saying. <laughs> and I was it, like, oh, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, and don't like, you... but, but that's the thing. Like, But I think there's nuance. I think there's a lot of cool discussion to have mm-hmm. around it and what they're doing with Star Trek and whatnot. And like I say, I like it. I like all of the new Trek to some degree or other. Yes. Um, Yes. I feel like various seasons of various shows have varied greatly. Like the consistency, I don't see consistency, but they're also swinging for a lot of different things. Like they're trying to make this new like age of Trek Fairly diverse, you know, also in like what they're trying to achieve and whatnot. So it kind of makes sense that it seems like, you know, things seem to vary a lot also in like my enjoyment from, you know, one thing to another. But like, I don't think any one show has been utter trash. And I don't think any one show has been perfect um or even one season. But I think that it's all good, you know, and I think that it's all good. I think it's good that they're playing for so many things because Star Trek is such a broad concept. So why should we try mm-hmm. to limit it to you know like well we got to have a ship that's on a five year mission and it's got to be exploring <laughs> you yeah. know it's like yeah. that's been done yeah. let's let's play yeah. around some more you it, know
3: yeah if we'd stuck with that mentality there'd be no deep space nine which for a right. lot of people is
1: peak trek. Yeah. now yeah, it I mean, is. I mean, that well, is not at the time I'm at the time body. it was the trash mm. that like how can it anyone love like, this thing? i love your space <laughs> i'm glad you
3: said that nathan because that is another point i wanted to bring up is sometimes the critics at the time aren't picking up what's being done and mm-hmm. um, the one i always throw out because it's my favorite movie and if you know me you you know what's coming john carpenter's the thing was savaged by critics when it came out in 82 and you got to remember that was the year of et that was the year of kind of upbeat and so john carpenter's consideration on paranoia and fear and horror was not coming out at the right time Mm. and it was a bomb now you know all these years later people hold it up as a masterpiece of horror one of the, the best horror sci-fi movies ever made one of the best movies carpenters ever made but and so the critics came around on it so sometimes you have to realize maybe where we're at isn't where we're gonna end up and, and unfortunately as someone asked carpenter about it, it's like how does it feel to have the thing vindicated now he's like it didn't do me any good at the time
4: yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah and, and,
4: and gary to your point uh the marx brothers filmed the uh, duck soup was savaged by critics at the mm. time. It was a box office failure. It's a film classic mm-hmm. and well-regarded as a film classic. So, yeah, sometimes yeah, it, you know, yeah, sometimes it takes some it, time.
5: <laughs> yeah.
3: Sometimes it takes time for something to find its audience or find its legs or for somebody to realize, oh, Slumber Party Massacre was a satire. I didn't realize that. And then you <laughs> recontextualize the whole
1: thing. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, Star Trek Voyager was a show that I didn't care for that much when it was on originally. Uh, yeah. But it's something that I've found that people who are 10 years younger than me or younger who have watched Star Trek, including my daughter, love Star Trek Voyager. Like, you know, it's like, it's it's one of, my wife's friend who's in her 20s, like, she, like, is like, it's my favorite of all the Star Treks. And that's interesting to me. And now watching it through with my daughter, I'm starting to get, through her perspective you know like why this show works for her in a way that it didn't work for me whereas you know i felt like you know next gen great ds9 great and then voyager hit and i was kind of like meh I never hated it, but it was never like I didn't feel very strongly about it. Um, But it's good now that like people are rediscovering it and sort of, you know, coming, you know, I think bringing out what the intentions were of the actors and the writers who were working on it and are able to express that in a much better way. So in some ways, I think Voyager was ahead of its time um you know just just from where society was and and whatever you just uh,
4: convinced me to rewatch that now thank you okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: but that's again kind of to the mm-hmm. point of why we need
3: to be able to have these discussions mm-hmm. about a property and about criticism for us to reevaluate were the critics right was i right where it and has it evolved has it changed if we're not allowed to say anything except for this was awesome mm-hmm.
1: you're never going to reevaluate a show lego movie yeah everything is awesome yeah (laughs) yeah but if you want a movie that's about the pitfalls of toxic positivity yeah (laughs) surprisingly the lego movie is a good place to go (laughs) Uh, the
3: movie is so much deeper than it has any right (laughs) oh yeah yes agreed
1: i love that
4: movie but I, i feel too that like one of the real challenges to the art of criticism is Uh, the 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 mostly in film the criticism aggregators your rotten tomatoes your Mm -hmm. Mm metacritics that boil criticism down to three sentences in a comment section and i don't i don't think that i my personal opinion i don't think those are doing us justice as an audience or or to the critics that they're aggregating or to the entertainment properties that they're trying to represent. I I, I just I I'll look at a Rotten Tomato score as much as anybody. But it, you know, really, if I think about it for five minutes, it doesn't really tell me that much.
1: Well, I mean, that's that's my question. Is anyone using Rotten Tomatoes as their bellwether? Like, because to me, it's like if 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 a thing has been around for a while and is close to fresh, that does tell me something. But if it's like at a low number, that doesn't tell me anything, because there's a number of reasons why it might be at a a low number, Mm. whereas if something is 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 fairly high, you know, like low, Mm -hmm. you know, like if it's fairly close to fresh then it's like okay you know if nobody's really targeted this movie with like hatred or anything you know like that tells me that maybe Mm. this thing is kind of good but yeah it's it's definitely not yeah Yeah, well if
4: i read the reviews on rotten tomatoes which i will do i'll read the and and they are like you know five sentences in a paragraph at Mm. best and they don't really tell me anything it's not the same thing as reading a review in the new york times the chicago tribune right. or the sun times or something you know you're reading a full review that is talked about every aspect of a film
1: well and that's and, and, it, and you've gotten where i wanted to go with this because i mean we've all talked about you know like professional you know critiques you know and and people who even if they're not paid for it you know do this you know and 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 do this in a you know erudite way and, and whatnot is there a place for people to write their criticisms that aren't professionals uh you know like not everybody who's not a professional goes into like it all sucks or it's all one you know like like you know like is there a place for people to be able to do a kind of review
0: I think there should be I mean in a perfect world I would argue that those type of discussions happen better in person or in a situation like this where we're all discussing with each other seeing each other watching reactions taking turns to talk and listening versus just like spewing words into an online environment. I think like probably Twitter is one of the worst places. Cause mm. you just send your tweet out into the void <laughs> and there it goes. Twitter is the
1: worst for any discussion. Yes. Yeah, really. <laughs> so what I
0: try to do now is I've tried to curate some communities on Facebook, like the earth station one, where if I'm going to mm. post a comment I want it to be more of a discussion to engage and share my thoughts and also solicit thoughts from other people. Um, Reddit, to a certain extent, depending on what um, slice of the community you go into, you can find some people talking in a more nuanced manner. But yeah, I feel like the average person should also be able to talk about their feelings and responses to a work of media just, but I feel like they should follow the same kind of rules of courtesy. Like it shouldn't just be like, you're terrible. Like there should be some thought and processing, but yeah, I feel like you shouldn't have to be a professional to be able to share your thoughts and reactions, which are valid too.
2: I agree, Ashley, because I I think what you're saying, Ashley, and what you said, Nathan, I think it makes sense because I tend to, I read a lot of restaurant reviews, for example, Mm. I like, I Mm. like to eat out. And there are restaurant reviews where I'll go on Yelp, I use Yelp, and I'll look at it and it'll say, you know, if there's 100 people and it's got a overall Yelp score of you know, four and a half out of five, I say, oh, okay, people like this. But then it goes back to the subtle, like, well, do I want to go to that restaurant this week? Is it something for my, ad- my wife's an- my anniversary or somebody's birthday? Then I may go and then I'll read actual critics reviews or I'll read, you know, some of the better contributors whose work I like. And then I get a little bit more nuanced about, here's the food to try. Here's the best day to do. And I do that with movie reviews. I absolutely go on Facebook sometimes and just read opinions on movies. Mm -hmm. And those opinions may be, this movie sucks, or this movie was amazing. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to go see it. And that will get me interested. Mm -hmm. And then I may still, after that, go look for a critic. And if a whole bunch of people seem to hate a movie and I'm already on the fence, that may be enough for me. But if a whole bunch of people, if there's they're in the middle, I may look for someone like Ashley or someone like the late Gene Siskel and Robert Ebert. Nowadays, I listen to, um, I follow Michael Phillips. And I listen to a film cast called, um, I listen to several different film casts, one called Film Spotting. And I listen to those guys and I listen to their reviews and they kind of help me form a decision, just like um, restaurant reviews help me form a decision. But if people just say, this is no good, um, this sucks or it's perfect, that does me no good. For those who remember reading movie reviews in the newspaper, which is pretty much mm-hmm. dead, I used to love the weekend newspaper because that's where the movie reviews came mm-hmm. out. And the thing was, when you watched those movie reviews in the newspaper, which, unfortunately, that was an art form in itself, looking at that big black and white page with mm-hmm. all the movie reviews. Mm-hmm. If you looked. You could always see for every movie, no matter how big of a dog it was, there were always these reviews that say an incredible movie, you must see it, and so-so. And, and when you started doing research, you found out there was this whole list of critics who all they ever did was write positive movie blurbs for people. Yeah. And I, got, and I started getting hip to that. I'm like, oh, okay, so Nightmare on Elm Street 10 or whatever was awesome. Freddy in Space is awesome. I know you. You're those reviewers. (laughs) (laughs) And by the same token, the people who hate everything, again, uh, Roger Ebert, rest his soul, one of the greatest critics of all time. Mm -hmm. Roger Ebert did not think that movies based on video games or comic books were really filmed. He he could not understand video game-based movies. He did not think they were real movies. I therefore wouldn't listen to Roger Ebert review a video game-based movie. You got to know who you're talking to. And what they like. There's a movie coming out now. I think it is it Asteroid City.
5: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Asteroid
2: City. That's Wes Anderson. And I heard one critic who I trust say, if you're on Wes Anderson's Wavelength, you're gonna like this movie. If you're not on Wes Anderson's wavelength, you're not gonna like this movie. Now, if I go on Facebook and Twitter, there'll be a thousand people who like the movie and a thousand people who hate it. I trust this critic. Mm -hmm. I personally am not on Wes Anderson's wavelength. I don't love his stuff. Therefore, from what that critic told me, I thought, okay. I'll maybe catch this when it comes on streaming. Mm -hmm. That's a valuable critique of a movie for me. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of stuff I look for.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. That's the thing is like, you've got to find if you're going to rely on movie reviewers to, to shape whether or not you're going to go see a movie, which Mm -hmm. I do some, there are some movies that it's like, yeah, just tell me when it's coming out. I'll be there.
2: Absolutely. Um,
3: But there are others where I'm like, I don't know. I'm on the fence. It's like, Mm -hmm. I have three different reviewers that I know that I agree with like seventy percent of seventy five percent of the time. Mm-hmm. I understand where their biases and my biases overlap and don't overlap, and I'll rely on what they have to say.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: But like you said, it it's it, it comes down to that you have to be able to as a reviewer to be able to, because like the, I remember growing up every single sci-fi movie, except for like Ebert who would love them would always get panned because it wasn't my dinner with Andre. It would, you know, and that's part of where the trouble with trusting <laughs> critics come from was there are a lot of critics who, if it wasn't some, highbrow, you know, the the dangers of steel magnolias in memory or whatever. You know, if it wasn't something like that, the movie was trash. And that's how they would review it. So you had to yes. look for your reviewers who understood that, yeah, Star Wars is great. Go have a good time. But there are still some reviewers out there who have their biases and, And they will say they're independent, but it's like, yeah, again, if it's not this, then they're going to pan it. And you just have to take that into consideration of like, okay, if I'm going to go see
1: and um, like you hurt my feelings, I know what reviewers to listen to and which ones not to. To your point, though, Keith, I don't feel like I always need a critic. Because Uh I feel like I know enough people that when I see their comments on Facebook, I can sort of calibrate myself with that, too. Like, I have one friend who is very much into spectacle. And so I know Mm -hmm. that necessarily, you know, like, when he's really positive about something, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a movie that I gravitate towards. Because I tend to be someone who's sort of, like, spectacle is nice, but it's not an essential like aspect mm-hmm. of like you know my movie enjoyment for me like mm-hmm. you know i d- like the cgi is not it i'm looking for performance and story you know the character and story is is more my thing um yes. but there are other people that i know like nine times out of ten if they liked it i'm gonna like it too and so you know you can sort of like just zoom in on that so i do think there's value and people just posting their three sentence or four Mm -hmm. sentence reviews on facebook also and again if they're just if they're not trolling like you know we talked about before Mm -hmm. as long as those reviews aren't veering into that trolling territory where it's like everything sucks and this person should die for making this like that's not that's not really a review that's just a clickbait sort of like i'm you know acting out because people like enjoy watching me act out and this isn't really i mean you might the person might actually hate the thing but i mean they're going way beyond like what any review should do and they're getting personal you know and that's not you know really what what they should be doing
2: absolutely and i think you have to understand yourself because i will tell you for example i don't think tyler perry has ever produced a movie that's gotten really great reviews like across the board rave reviews i go see every movie tyler perry puts out for a whole lot of reasons. It's personal to me as a black man to support a black director. I genuinely like some of Tyler Perry's movies, even though they're silly and they're corny and they're predictable and they're cheesy. He puts positive messages in there about black people. He puts positive messages in there. I am I was raised a Christian. My late father was a preacher. I'm incredibly liberal, but I still have the core of my Christian beliefs. Tyler Perry puts a lot of stuff in his movies about the power of God, but he doesn't hit you in the head. I get good stuff out of his movies. Madea is a ridiculous character. Those movies don't get reviewed well. In that case, like you were saying, Nathan, I don't use a critic. because I'm not going to read a critic review of a Tyler Perry movie because they're going to say, this dude sucks. But you know what Tyler Perry does? He spends like $5 million on a movie. He shoots them at his own house here in Atlanta. And the movie makes like $50 million bucks. Somebody's liking it. Now, at this point in time, I criticize the Fast and the Furious lovers. I'm a Tyler Perry lover, like a fast and furious lover. You say whatever you will. I'm gonna go watch it. Then I'm gonna go, man, that was that was literally one of the stupidest movies I've ever seen. I loved it. And I, and real real quick, Gary, what you said about Siskel and Ebert, one of the greatest arguments, well, not arguments I ever saw was when Predator came out. Mm. Roger Ebert said, This is a good movie, it's a good summertime movie. Gene Siskel was horrified, and he was basically like, What the heck do you mean? What is a summer movie? What do you mean good for the movie? And I'll never forget, Jane Siskel said, your standards are slipping, Roger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that tells you what Jane <laughs> Siskel was going to like.
1: Yep. <laughs> yeah. I'm still disappointed Fast 10 isn't Fast 10 your seatbelts.
4: Yes, <laughs> they should have done that. It's oh, yeah. yeah, a missed opportunity. <laughs> well, and, and Nathan, I think to your, to, to your point about, you know, is there a place for, for the non-professional critic? I would say like any art form, and I think criticism is an art form. Yes, there is a place. Mm -hmm. And if you to find, find a spot and create, put it on, put your, put your comments on, on Facebook, put them, put them, you know, write a medium post, put them on a blog someplace. It doesn't matter if five people see them or a thousand people see them, but that's, what's going to make your art better is by continually doing it and mm-hmm. over and over and learning from the work that you do and continue to grow so yeah I, the thing i would challenge people is is to expand beyond the the two-word review or the three-sentence review and and really talk about what worked for you and what didn't um and and find a spot you know it, it it's difficult for artists now because everything is on the internet and there's cameras everywhere, and so there's no like, there isn't really a good place to fail that's not potentially in everybody, everybody's eyes, and that's kind of a shame because you kind of need a place to when I whenever I work with young artists and young actors and stuff, I only like, you you have to be bad before you can be good, to <laughs> be willing to be bad. to to be able to grow into the artist that you will be. And, And I think the same thing is true for writing criticism is you have to be willing to just put it out there and then you will develop as you go. But you have to start someplace and just keep, Keep going, you know, Nathan. I've read a lot of your reviews on Facebook, and I always appreciate them. I know you said comments that don't always, but you know, but I I think you put a lot of thought into your reviews. I don't always agree with them, but I you put a lot of thought into them, and you put a lot of context. I always understand where you're coming from, and that's good. And I've seen your reviews. I've seen you grow into them as I read them, and that's that's wonderful. But I would encourage people, yeah. But that's the thing you have to do is you have to challenge yourself in the review, yeah. not challenge the thing you're reviewing no i agree with that and no i've i've taken
1: comments on board from sometimes from people like gary who tell me that i was too negative uh and so you know i've tried to uh you know i've tried to like take a a, a more even approach to my reviewing uh over the last few years and to and to uh you know because to me it's like oh well you know like I'm just commenting on the things that I felt could have been improved, you know, and leaving out all the things that I, you know, liked about it. Cause I'm like, well, anything I didn't talk about is naturally good, you know, but then I'm like, okay, well, no, people want to read about (laughs) why I like, you know, what I did like also and why I liked it. So, you know, that's, you know, so, so sort of as an artist, as an artist
4: knowing what worked is as important as knowing what doesn't. Yeah. Right.
1: Right. Exactly. So, so yeah, I, I have tried to, to recontextualize how I, do reviews so that it does get a you know because that's what people would say like how can you give it an 8 out of 10 where everything you said was negative (laughs) okay yeah i get that (laughs) (laughs) this movie was horrible go see it 10 out of (laughs) (laughs) 10
4: so but that's good that's how you grow that's Mm -hmm. how you grow as an artist so yeah i would say yeah do it but yeah challenge yourself um but
1: uh, yeah the other thing i wanted to talk about um is comes from the the article that you shared Stephen, and this will be in the show notes mm-hmm. um so if you're listening to this uh you can go to the website or go on your wherever podcast thing that you got and, and you can click on the show notes for this um but in this article um sort of the point at the end was if you see the actual performer. So a little bit different than what we're talking about where you put like a review or an article like out into somewhere like the internet or you're just chatting with friends or whatever or something where it's like you will actually have FaceTime with a director or an actor or the actual performer. It was basically like, just say you know loved it or whatever and like otherwise you know don't say anything else if you didn't like it and and mm. i so see i resist this notion too and i'm really going to be curious about about people's opinions on this because i know as someone who has done creative things that if i found out that i got an insincere compliment it is the worst thing that would devastate me more than anything else to because then that makes me question every positive comment that i've gotten it, it does if that makes sense like and so like and, and everybody so, lying to me this whole time right exactly exactly so you know i kind of understand the idea of like trying to avoid the subject or whatever which is kind of like what the article talks about and how that can be awkward um but but i'm, I'm really curious what people think about that because again like you're not trying to hurt somebody's feelings but if somebody asks you or if there's an expectation because you're talking to them after they've just done a performance so of course you kind of have to talk about it because otherwise it would be weird, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, like, do you think you should just like be like, good, you know, it was great or whatever, and just kind of move on, or, or what do you think that you should do in a situation like that? So, um, you know, Stephen, I think you can speak to this the most personally.
4: of <laughs> I'm yeah, kind of um,
1: interested what you think about this.
4: And, and I've been on both sides of this, um, as you might imagine, because mm-hmm. I and I have seen things that. You know i've had friends in that i didn't really like and um and, and yet I, I think there's a there's a time factor mm. in here that you know right after the performance you know when you when you hopefully if you've done your job as an actor you've, you've laid your soul on that stage and you've left everything there and you're just you're not in a mind space, I, at least for me, I'm not in a mind space where I want to hear the breakdown of what worked and what didn't. That's just not where I am right now. Mm-hmm. Um, So there, I really kind of appreciate just saying, Hey, loved it. Thank you. Got to go. But you know what I mean? Or, and I've had, you know, and I've both had and done the thing where like, okay, if I can't really say I loved it, I will text them later. Hey, caught the show loved it i will text you know but i'll text them later because i couldn't tell them in person you know loved it but i had to go sorry i had to bug out i had you know that but and we all understand that i think as an artist i understand the difference of a comment in that moment versus a comment you know a year from now if you were telling me yeah i really loved it but i found out you didn't and it was like a year later then i would question it mm. you know cuz in a year i haven't you know i've i've got some distance from it and in a year um i i can i can take that comment um more in context and more constructively um i i have i have a really good friend who will um watch shows that that i've done um that are recorded and watch them later and and sort of live text me while she's watching them, (laughs) and give me her comments on the and but i but we have the kind of friendship that i appreciate that i know where she's coming from i understand what her perspective is and i know what that is going in and i appreciate those comments but we have that kind of friendship where i trust that um and it's also like not right after like she's the kind of person who would tell me right after I love it and then tell me a year later, well, here's what worked and what didn't. Mm. And I appreciate that. So I I think there's a time factor involved with with that particular thing which and I, I do think that's a little different than seth rogan looking for comments or reviews on the internet. right well <laughs> but, no and that's yeah.
1: why i wanted to bring that up as a separate sort yeah. of topic is right. like the idea of that because yeah. i think i think we've all been engaged in some creative work or other like you know like gary mentioned i think the panels that you know we do like podcasting is itself mm-hmm. a creative work it is Absolutely. a performative work um it's different from acting but it is also performative no,
4: but you're putting an aspect of yourself out there right. you, you, do, you know In a sense, you don't want to be, you don't, having that time distance gives you the opportunity to not take those things as personal. Mm -hmm. Whereas right in the moment, it, it feels more personal because you've opened yourself up a little bit.
3: Yeah, and a podcast is entertainment. We're trying to entertain people. The people listening to this, we hope we are entertaining you. Please leave a review, comment, like, subscribe. Send your email to everything at 42cast.com and tell me how it Share
1: it with a friend. You did not enjoy it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, But, you know,
3: I kind of agree with Stephen there. There's a a time, and there's also basic human decency. There's Mm -hmm. a time and a place for. You know, like he said, you just come off the stage. It's not the time to tell somebody, you know, I really think you should have done the nuance of this. You should right, right in the heat of the mm. aftermath, you go, that was great. I'll talk to you more later. And mm-hmm. then, you know, maybe a week, two later, go, okay, here's what worked. And especially during the run of a show, sometimes that'll mess with somebody's head. And suddenly your question, I'm sure Stephen can vouch for this. You're questioning yeah. everything you've ever done and you re- change your whole performance.
4: Yeah. yeah, which you can't, which you shouldn't do because you've got a real director who is actually guiding your performance. And that's the person you need to be listening to. Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah. I think there's a reason why, um, I think there's a reason why a lot of food critics hide when they go to a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Because it's not just that they're trying to protect their anonymity, just protect their anonymity, because you know, a lot of times they eat these places a lot. They, they know the folks and it's hard to be honest with them if they if they grab you and say, what do you think about it? And I remember, you know, some of the best theater critics, um, again, Stephen would know about this. But when you talk about theater critics, a lot of theater critics will try not to talk to the actors and the directors mm-hmm. of, of the play or the musical now, the next day, you may see a horribly scathing review of it. But you know, to your point, they one and, and actually, this I think sometimes people don't get about critics. A lot of people think that critics, especially professional critics, are heartless and that they kind of get into or get off on attacking people. Not, the, the best critics don't. They don't get into attacking people. That's another reason why sometimes they try not to have personal relationships with people or talk to them immediately after the show because they, they're actually not trying to hurt somebody's feelings, they're trying to be honest about it. Um, And so I think it makes a very difficult thing. You don't want a critic who likes the savage people. That's not somebody that does much for me.
3: Yeah. I'd love to hear Ashley's comment on this because as a Mm -hmm. current reviewer, when I was writing reviews, I did it because I loved it. And I wanted the movies to be better. Yeah.
0: Yes. That's, um, that's exactly where I'm coming from too. Like I love film. It is my favorite storytelling medium, out of all the many wonderful ways to tell a story. And I just love it so much. And it doesn't make me happy to have to write a negative review, but I try to just, um, it's something I see from kind of a personal integrity sense. Like I want to be honest about a movie. So I'm not afraid to say something negative. On the other hand, like if I feel positive about a movie that everybody else is not liking i i will call myself out and admit i did like batman versus superman so even though <laughs> like it was hard putting myself out there it's like you know i want to be honest about my opinion here's why it worked for me and also acknowledge some of the general criticism of the movie here's why i feel differently so again yeah it just goes into trying trying to be as honest and authentic as you can and In terms of in-person, the big key I would ask is if, like, the feedback is solicited or not. Like, let's say Mm -hmm. for some reason I'm walking down the street, I run across James Gunn. Like, this will never happen in Manhattan, (laughs) Kansas, where I live. But if it did, I would probably, all I would say is, you know what, Guardians of the Galaxy is one of my favorite Marvel movies. I loved it. It's a film that means a lot to me me personally unless he said you know what ashley paul's i really want to know what specifically did you think of guardians of the galaxy volume three and i want you to tell me both positive and negative (laughs) then at that point i would feel comfortable to go in and say well actually james there's a few things i want to talk to you about but, (laughs) uh, but i don't feel like just as a person um to a person i would have that right to go up and just confront him about how I personally felt about it. I feel like I have a right to write a review to comment on his stuff, but to go up to him personally, I feel like is an extra step. And I would only say something if I were directly asked for a more sense of honest feedback.
1: Yeah. There are a lot of people who hide behind the anonymity of the internet and, and, you know, try to directly like attack people on Twitter or whatever. And I think that that's, you know yeah that's another like 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 the the gall that somebody has to have to think that like they deserve to speak directly with the you know performers where they don't have mm-hmm. a personal relationship with them right you know yeah. is, and and to tell them like all the things they hated about their work you know because it's usually not well i mean i shouldn't say that there probably are people who like try to like message people on twitter and be like i love their your movies they're they're great the greatest ever but the ones you hear about are the ones who are like you should die this was the worst thing ever and it's just <laughs> yeah. like you know people have gone off off of twitter just because they're sick of it like um but sure. i forgot oh. her name the actress who played rose on uh on uh, yeah. uh the, the new star wars movies yes. like yeah. she like got off of social media because people were just savaging her and it's mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. i don't understand like like here's the thing i think there are things about that character that it is fair to say negative things about the character right. it is not in any way acceptable to say things about the actress who was playing that character mm-hmm. right right
3: mm-hmm. well and that ties into i was going to mention this earlier when we were talking about rotten tomatoes and the aggregators another reason you can't trust them sometimes is because of that when right. obi-wan was out and people were going after uh the actress playing first sister mm-hmm. and or third Sister, whatever sister she was because yeah. of racism
5: mm-hmm.
3: and then um ewan mcgregor came out and said if you're a racist piss off we don't need you in star wars that's not exactly <laughs> no, <that's> the best <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah yeah
3: and suddenly on rotten tomatoes the reviews dropped 20 points because everybody started review bombing it
1: mm. Mm. well and that's mm. the thing where like they've stopped people from being able to do it but they used to go in before a movie would even drop yeah and like people would review bomb like movies and it was like well that's just ridiculous because these people who haven't seen the movie you know right. like are are putting reviews out there because they want the movie to fail and you know so they they've restricted that now where only like actual critics who are allowed to see like early screeners or whatever can review something before it's it's dropped but it's still you know uh you know i mean it's still it's still a problem because like all the social media stuff like that's just created in such a way you know to to try to force people into a particular opinion when you know it's not like a legitimate you know review or legitimate you know criticism of something
0: and something i like to do too is i am i like to wait a few days before writing my review like a lot of times Mm -hmm. i'll go see it on a friday and wait to write it about monday like i understand some professional reviewers if you're on a deadline you have to get that out but i like to give my Um, feelings some space so that if I do feel like really upset and disappointed by a movie I'm not just spewing my negative thoughts I give it a couple days let things simmer and then I try to put my thoughts into words because I think a lot of times if you're just going on that first emotion is not going to be necessarily lend itself to a lot of nuance and good discussion so I think, yeah, that's a lot of times what we get on Facebook and Twitter is just that immediate response where people haven't allowed themselves to think and um, chew on it.
2: That's a good point, Ashley. And conversely, there's also also a positive film-going effect that you have to be careful of. Yeah. You could see a movie in a crowded theater and you love it. And then a couple of days later, you start distancing yourself from the shared response you had with the audience. Yes. And then it's like, huh, I don't think that was quite as good as I thought it was. I was really enjoying it with the audience. And then you started thinking about it and go, hmm, that wasn't quite as good as I thought. And, so your, and reviews will change just because of something like that.
0: Oh, oh, totally.
3: Yeah. yeah. Oh, I can tell you that I saw The Phantom Menace at midnight and 3 a.m. opening day. And my review at 9 a.m. was a lot different than it was four days <laughs> later. <laughs> Yeah.
4: Well and and for the the people who go after a particular actor because they didn't like their performance in a film um they it's easy to lose sight of the the idea especially in a film that there's an entire creative team who put that actor mm-hmm. in that place into that character they 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 directed them they they put the properties around them they costumed them to get a particular performance out of them they had multiple multiple takes lots of chances to get it's there's a team of creative people who, this is the performance they wanted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you didn't, if it didn't work for you, that's fine. But don't go after that particular actor mm-hmm. right. because they're doing their job. Right. They did the job. And, and if it didn't work for you, fine. But there's a whole creative, you can't go after just that one person because mm-hmm. they did the job.
1: Right. And and yeah, for all you know, it was a director's choice that like made the thing like exactly. there could have been alternate takes that would have you completely feel differently about the character. Oh, but like that, right. this is what they went for, you know. So, yeah, yeah.
4: And often
3: yeah, not, that's the case. Yeah. Not to do only Star Wars references, but for Attack of the Clones, Hayden Christensen has come out and said yeah. every single take of his in that movie was the first take. well that's true that's
2: because the truth of the matter is george George lucas (laughs) is not the best director that's just truth he's not the best director especially with people i mean he did say what uh, yeah i mean (laughs) you know he did american graffiti and some stuff like that but i can absolutely believe that that was the first hate take because um you're right hayden and hayden christensen took a lot of crap for those movies i mean people like he can't act like he can act but yeah yeah um, oh, yeah. I think I think that what you guys. I think what you guys said about, you know, sometimes not blaming the actor, I thought was so fascinating. I was having a conversation with my wife today exactly about the actress, the Asian actress who played Rose and, you know, the unfairness that she took. And John Boyega, who, mm-hmm. you know, for quite a while came out and he was he was pretty intense about the whole Star Wars experience. And I was talking to my wife today and we were talking and she said, you know, I didn't know he could act. And that was because her first exposure to John Boyega was not Attack the Block, it was Star Wars. Was well, Star Wars? Yeah, it was fine. I mean, you know, he's not doing Shakespeare there. And so she thought he was just a standard regular dude who was grabbed and put in a Star Wars movie because there's so much stuff that goes on in it, mm-hmm. goes on with it. Yeah. I have a, a quick question for you too. Um, I also think that what's going on now with this whole kind of attack on critics is because movies like Politics and other things are becoming so stratified, and people are becoming mm-hmm. so desperate. Because if you think about it, now, we have always had franchises and genres for decades. The Western ruled, and then the, mm-hmm. you know the cop problem, and so forth. But it really is a truth now that franchises are ruling the box office with a big money. Star Wars, Star Trek, Harry Potter, Fast and Furious. You know, you go on and on and on. Jurassic Park, Indiana Jones, Indiana blah, Jones blah blah blah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's there's becoming kind of this desperation and a hostility even from the studio because they don't want negative reviews because they're like I need this I need this movie to make money, and then it's the same thing with some of the fans. They're like I'm gonna go see that Indiana Jones movie. You better leave it alone because it's Indiana Jones. But at the end of the day, you still need to critique them and say is it worth it? You know, do we need another Indiana Jones movie? Do we need, you know, if I see one more Force wielder who is descended from the Skywalkers. For the <laughs>
3: I'm going to lose my mind. And part of that is what Hollywood has turned into. It has become – they rely on the – I mean in the 80s, Friday the 13th series kept Paramount afloat because they were cheap to make, brought in a huge amount of money, and that gave them the money to make the other movies. Now movie-making – can be so expensive that every studio is looking for that Harry Potter, which kept Warner brothers alive Mm -hmm. for 10 years. Mm -hmm. So that to the point, like I think your point is dead on that they don't want any negative criticism because they need these movies to make money and not just domestically, but internationally. So there's this huge desperation on the part of also, you know, producers get fired studio executives get fired. So they're always looking for that. And this is ever since the 100 years of film, studios are out to make money.
5: Mm -hmm.
3: And so, you know, everybody's saying, oh, I can't believe they're making another Fast and Furious movie. They made 700 Mon Pa kettle movies in the
2: 30s. (laughs) (laughs) And I've seen them all. I saw them (laughs) all.
3: Yeah. And so, you know, Hollywood has never shied away from franchises. It's just now it seems like it's all we get because exactly. it's cost so much.
1: they're relying on the generational love and that gets us back to why do yes. so many of these reviewers get so bent out of shape about things because mm-hmm. they want their version of this franchise you know and mm-hmm. and depending on your you know your point of view or whatever like something you know the, oh well they're ruining it because they've they've bent it too far out of shape from what i recognize as this franchise and that is that is the problem i think is why we get so many people that are getting so upset is that they can't divorce themselves from whatever that original attachment was whether it was to star wars or star trek or anything Mm -hmm. else and because these franchises have had content you know over decades you know, you can get that now where, you know, as before, I don't think we had franchises that went to the point where it was like somebody was raised on that franchise and it's still making new content in their 40s and 50s. Like this is this is when that era is coming to fruition where we can have that. And so that's the that's the problem is just that. ability. And look, I have been prey to this as well. You mm-hmm. know, like, I mean, I'm not saying like this is just an other thing. Um you know i have extreme issues with uh dr who since 2005 which was my favorite series uh of all time uh up until the point of the new stuff coming out so like but i've i've kind of had to like divorce myself from that and just be like you know what they're making the new thing regardless of you know anything that i say and it's gonna keep on going and you know like and this is what it is to lots of people who started with the 2005 version and that's that is what Doctor Who is. So you know, I it, it is what it is. Um, yeah. But I, I did get bent out of shape a lot uh, in the early years of it. So um, well, you know, I understand and, and it. And I feel
4: like that's that's a I feel like that's a symptom of where we are, just sort of generally in entertainment. I see this a lot, where it's you know, there's this the drive to give the audience the thing they've seen before, yeah, um, because it's because it's you know it's bankable or whatever, and I, and and we're in that, and so. Um, Part of the manifestation of that is you've got the creators who are tasked with making these new TV shows and films and stuff from these frameworks of what we've seen before, but they want to do something new, which they should, because we do... we want to add add stories and add new art into the, the public space. And so they do push the boundaries of these things, which, again, they should. And some of these vehicles are really prone well to having them be explored a little bit in different aspects. Star Trek is a really good example of that. There's so many places you can go. Um, and, and I think Star Wars is, too. They just haven't as much as I would like. Right. They just keep but, going
1: to Tatooine. But, <laughs> right and everybody's related to everybody it's like it's, like it's like star a, it's, wars it's a whole galaxy and there's and there's thousands of years of time that you can tell stories in it doesn't have to all center around skywalkers it's, it's, and tatooine <laughs>
4: exactly it's an analogy for alabama as i put it you know, it's, 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 you know everybody's related to everybody that's right <laughs>
1: that's right luke and
4: leia are from the southern know, part of the galaxy a, there's a bigger there's a bigger a whole galaxy out there and we can see new people we can see new, but that's but but it's there and and i'm certain there are creators who want to do that mm-hmm. and so but then you have get the audience expectation of but then i want to see the thing i'm go, i'm always going to tie this back to the thing i saw before and if you push it too far then it becomes something that it's that i'm not as invested and now i feel things and you know at at one point i think yes but we need to challenge the audience a bit. And that's where criticism really needs to come in. And again, yes. not the, not the, the two-sentence uh, Facebook comment criticism, but the, the long-form criticism of putting these things into context to let the audience know that, yes, this is going to expand and you can go along that journey. But if you're not ready to, that's okay, too. But just know that's what that's going to do. And then you can put into context whether or not you want to see that or not
1: yeah this sort of franchise thing the thing that I keep trying to tell people is nobody is coming into your home and taking away your DVDs and blu rays of the mm-hmm. thing that you like in fact in fact <clears throat> there are these kind of there are these things called Star Wars despecialized editions that uh if you <laughs> want to watch the movies the way they originally were uh there are places to find them on the internet um you know you might want to email me at everything at 42cast.com if you want to know more <laughs> but um but even to that degree of like you know the fact that the movies have been altered over time and like there are still ways of finding that that's a special case because it's very rare that something has been like eradicated in the way that the original versions of star wars is that fans had to sort of like reconstruct it that's a whole other podcast Uh, right exactly Mm -hmm. but 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 in general everything that you liked is still available to consume like about any franchise and so like if that's what you like you know this is where i had to go with doctor who if that's what you like is that older stuff you just you have that older stuff you know like and that's what you can watch and that's and it's still there for you you know so if you don't like new star trek well you know you've got however many of the older series that you liked if you liked all five of them then great you know and if you like four Mm -hmm. of them or three of them or whatever those are the ones you watch and that's great And,
3: and to tie it into the topic if you hate the new stuff and all the critics like it don't blame the critics Right. right. I mean, yeah. Don't say, "Well, it's the critics' fault for liking it that they're not making the Doctor Who I want to see anymore." <laughs> it's like, no, they're just telling you what they think. And again, right. that's where it comes down to respect the the creators and respect the the critics as people, and realize not everything may be for you, and you may not agree with everybody.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: And, and that's not okay. a high school clique.
1: And if you're writing a review, that's a good thing to put in it too. Cause like, I know when we talked about Miss Marvel, that was one of the things that I said, this show isn't for me, but these are my thoughts on this show, not recognizing that this show is not made for me, you know? And so like, that's, you know, that's something you can put out there, you know, as part of, you know, your review and to make sure that people know that that is, you know, that is sort of your bias and, and you know where you're coming from on that. So.
0: And something I like to bring into it too is uh term, like, Things that can bring in new fans, like I really did not connect with Star Trek at all until J.J. Abrams' first movie. I felt absolutely in love with it, but then I know I'm sorry, Keith. I'm sorry, Keith. I'm sorry. I do I don't want to kill Keith. Over there. Ashley keeps dropping
1: these bombs because, like, she's like, "I love Batman versus Superman," and I've like, like recontextualized Ashley.
4: Like, I know. Uh, so I was I'm gonna say Keith. Keith, for perspective, she did say she liked Batman versus Superman. So yeah.
0: So I, I, but to bring it around, because I like that, it opened up Star Trek, and I went by and like my favorite series is the original series. Actually, like, I love those mm-hmm. characters. I love like Leonard Nimoy and Spock. And if it was not for J.J. Abrams' movie. I would have never gone back. And so I'm kind of thankful I wasn't super involved in online fandom back then, because Mm. if I had watched JJ Abrams movie, been excited about star Trek for the first time in my life, gone online and seen like a flood of negativity, i had been like, Whoa, maybe I don't want to be a part of this fandom, but because I just kind of explored it organically, I was like, gosh, I really love the original series. And I had, I was young and stupid thought like oh this thing was made in the 60s it's not for me Mm -hmm. it's still great storytelling it's still great characters and I absolutely love the original series so um, I think that's an important bit of nuance to keep in mind too like it's absolutely okay to like not like some of these new things and work through critiques but also keeping in mind like this may be somebody else's uh first contact with the um franchise and so uh just kind of keep that in mind like just one more little piece of nuance to add to the to add to the discussion
1: thank you for, and, for and adding gets- that Ashley I, I... <laughs> but my daughter so, so, I just want to say this really quick because this is the thing I think a lot of people assume a lot of people assume that because media is old that younger people won't like it And my daughter is another example of, I was just watching Star Trek. I wasn't trying to get her to sit down with me or anything original 60s Star Trek. And she like, I just watched her iPad stop, start dropping. And she's like watching the TV more than she's looking at her iPad. And I'm like, do you like this? And she's like, yeah. And so that's when we started watching Star Trek together was with that. And so it's like, you know, if storytelling is good storytelling, it's good storytelling. And there are a lot of people that will just be like, oh, well, younger people, of course, aren't going to care about this. They're going to want, want the new stuff. But yes, I think, yes, that, I, I think that is great.
4: And actually, yes. that's that's exactly why I, I, I I'm, I'm encouraged. I, I love that people love something that I didn't because mm-hmm. I feel that art is expansive Hmm. And when when we just re, when we make it reductive to the point of like it's a high school click and you're in and out or whatever, you're you either with us and like it or, you know, no, are are there's a uh, room for everyone and there's room for lots of different viewpoints and what works for you doesn't have to necessarily work for me plus what doesn't work for me but works for you might help bring you to what I like yes. about the things that I like and so by making art expansive it makes it connect in ways that it wouldn't otherwise and that's that's why I think that's really important to have that 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 grace for people to say no I I I didn't like it but I'm glad I, I, I celebrate that you did
0: yeah I always I like to Offer that encouragement to fans because mm-hmm. I know it is hard when there's something you're deeply looking forward to and it just doesn't hit where you think it's going to. Like it is hard as a fan, like there's disappointment and frustration, but um there can like because it connected with me for whatever reason about this one film, totally changed how I felt about a whole franchise, opened the door, opened doors for me. So um yeah, so wonderful. I So I I I love Star which made my dad really happy cuz he's a Trek guy. So I've always been Star <laughs> Wars, but I I love Trek too now. So that's been really fun about uh bonding over that.
2: I think for me what it boils down to it goes back to and I think it, you know you can talk about this with our politics and our everything which is mm-hmm. people we we increasingly get in these echo chambers
5: mm-hmm. where we think that
2: mm-hmm. someone doesn't agree with us they're just quote unquote wrong or if they're talking about something that doesn't initially interest us, we're not interested in it. I watch personally, uh, I watch at least one or two silent films a week. Mm. And um, when, when I dropped cable back in 2014, but the first thing I missed when I dropped cable was Turner Classic Movies. Yes. When I got TCM, when I got a YouTube TV, the first thing I added was Turner Classic Movies. And during the pandemic, I discovered an actress who I should have, I thought I should have known of. There was an actress in the 30s called Kay Francis. She was this really great actress. This was during. This is before the Hayes Code came in. I've been watching a lot of her movies, and I remember Ashley. You mentioned I think in one of your posts a couple three years ago, you had talked about how you hadn't. Wa- I hope you don't mind me bringing this up. You had you had, you had written this really good article about how you hadn't watched a lot of movies that were past a certain age mm-hmm. because women weren't written very well, you know, before the seventies and so forth. Well, look at me, a black man. I'm watching. 1920s and 30s movies, two or three a week, there was a saying that was super common in America back in the 20s and 30s. When people would try to tell somebody you couldn't do something, the actor would say on screen, I'm young, white, and 21. Mm. I'm young, free, white, and 21, or 18. Boy, that doesn't go over very well with me, you know? (laughs) And I see so many racist and stereotype characters, but there's a lot of stuff in those early movies that I like, and the reason I'm, I'm going down this long babbling road is are a lot of these movies I've discovered because I've read critics and critiques. And mm-hmm. I've read the American Film Institute's top 100 films of all times. And I'll watch these movies and I'll go, huh, that was actually pretty good. And I think the problem is what's going on is too many of us say, this is what I like and I don't like anything else. It's like somebody who won't try new food. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I'm just not going to try that. Or it's like somebody who says, all I want to watch is science fiction. I don't want to watch the Western. I don't want to watch a black and white movie. I don't want to watch a silent movie. If you're going to stay in an echo chamber and you're going to have an attitude, I like what I like, you will never like any critic. Because unless they tell you exactly what you want to hear, you're not going to hear anything else. And you're not going to expand. You know, you're know, you not going to look at that foreign film. You're not going to look at this small film. You're not going to look at this black and white film. That's what I think critics can bring, and I think the problem mm-hmm. now is especially as people become more focused on the franchises they love and the, and, the net, and the studios are more focused on, as you were saying earlier, Charles, about making money, then critics are becoming almost attacked and less valued because people are like, you're not giving me anything, and if you're not willing to expand your mind and let that critic take you down, not just, not just tolerate a critic reviewing a movie you're going to see, But letting, to me, the best critics open your mind to things you didn't Mm -hmm. consider seeing. But that respect for critics is in many ways dying off over the years. And that saddens me a lot.
1: Although I will point out that science fiction covers all those bases. Foreign films, black and (laughs) (laughs) white, silence. They're They're not mutually exclusive.
2: This is true, Metropolis. uh...
3: (laughs) (laughs) Keith, you'll appreciate this. In Greensboro, North Carolina, there's a theater uh, called the Carolina Theater that still has their original working pipe organ. They opened the year Metropolis (gasps) came out. Wow, and I got to see Metropolis and Fan of the Opera there with someone playing that organ. Oh, wow. cool. oh cool. It's that... like a, it's like a four-hour drive, Keith. You have to look into it and see about going up there. They do definitely. a summer film series. Yes, and they turn the organ on; you vibrate. <laughs> oh, that's so. Oh, awesome. That is great. Awesome. That is so definitely I... something I'd like to try.
1: Yeah, I, I, so
3: yeah, you got to look into
1: that. It's called yeah, the Carolina I, Theater. I, I was flipping about how I only watch science fiction and fantasy, but I do actually watch <laughs> other things. Yeah, but <laughs> and I have a, see, and this is the other thing though. I feel like like a love of history of the medium mm-hmm. is important too, and mm-hmm, like what yes. you're talking about, Keith, of like appreciating like where did this come from you know and and you know all of that too and and sort of understanding you know how we got here and i think that would help a lot of people also with like the understanding of like you like these franchises also didn't come from nothing you know like i mean star wars is super duper derivative of a lot of different things george lucas's genius was in how he put it all together in a way that that feels like something new even Mm -hmm. though it's it's comes from so many things that came before and so many Absolutely. tropes and so many things yeah like sure. like yeah like that's 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 sort of the genius of but nothing is new nothing is right. new and i critics like a good critic understands that but like nothing yes. is new and that it's all mm-hmm. kind of comes from elements of things before and it's sort of the examination of how those elements came together and in this particular work and you know whether that work, you know whether that works for them or would work for somebody else and recognizing that you know is is the whole you know the whole thing that's the whole thing that you have to do as a critic so exactly and
0: i'm really glad you brought up the classic movies because that's been something Mm -hmm. i've been trying to challenge myself more as since Mm -hmm. i'm someone who does enjoy film reviews is to Mm -hmm. give myself more historical context and i feel like it adds a layer of richness and nuance i know i keep you're reusing that word but it's one of my favorite that's that's the vibe I try to go for when I write a review is it just adds more layers more brush strokes to this painting that you're trying to create mm-hmm. um I within the past year with thanks to ESO I had an opportunity to watch my uh, first silent film which I apologize if I mispronounce it it's Nosferatu I believe yep. which Oh, God, which yeah. was course, absolutely it. fascinating how a movie with no spoken dialogue Can just how wonderfully the story can be told with such richness, and then also very recently got to watch the um, original King Kong, and Mm -hmm. I feel like those are two experiences that will I will carry with me going forward as a um, fan of film, just because I feel like those classic movies really add to my experience, and I would encourage. Anytime you have to watch, don't write off something because it was made more than 20, 30 years ago. There's a lot of good stuff out there. And it, even if it's something you don't necessarily like, it still I f- can be valuable in helping to realize this is how film is developed and how things have changed. Some ways for the better, some ways for the worse, but it all just adds to the richness of the discussion.
2: I agree. Real quickly, Ashley, and I forget what you're for saying this real fast because this is not what the purpose of the podcast is you must watch Battleship Potemkin. Mm. Battleship Potemkin is the is the one from which the famous baby carriage bouncing down the steps scene comes yeah. from, which mm-hmm. was used in the Untouchables film yep. decades later. Mm-hmm. And you also must watch a movie called The Passion of Joan of Arc. Mm. Also from the 20s. Just Battleship Attention, Potemkin, and the Passion of Joan of Arc. You must watch, those are are phenomenally good silent movies that will show you as what Nathan was saying, nothing is new um, because you see these film techniques and these camera work that you're like, oh, that's what I care. I mean, one of the greatest filmmakers of all time is someone, obviously I have huge problems with D.W. Griffith, Birth of a Nation. Mm -hmm. Yes. Can't deal with that movie. That movie's all about how the Klan was this righteous organization. He was literally one of the most brilliant film directors in the in history, in the yeah. story. We yeah. still use his, his his directorial touches to this day. So yeah. I watch those films even as I sometimes grit my teeth when I'm watching. Him. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. And I'm going to recommend to both of you, if you're not already listening to it, the podcast. You must remember this by Karina Longworth. Okay. She looks at the film history and she does like eight, 10 episodes of breakdowns where she talks about different directors talking from like the thirties and the silent oh, films on forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, the She did a wonderful series on Dean Martin and, uh, Sammy Davis Jr. and how they parallel their parallel as they work together and what how their careers went. She's talked about D.W. Griffin. She's done. Mm-hmm. You know, she's doing a series right now on the sexy 90s and 80s on how sex was portrayed in cinema and how women were mm. done. I mean, uh, if you're into film history, this uh, is it's a must listen podcast.
2: And, and and Nathan, to go back to your topic, what what Gary just said right there. There is a person who's gonna be giving us some critiques of movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm very interested in hearing that now, just like that. See, I yeah, you know, I think that's great. Like, oh, this is cool. I'm gonna hear this. Yeah. Some people go, I don't I don't care about that stuff, so who cares?
1: <laughs> right. No, I but yeah, I I I think that if you're going to review something, though, that you need to have like an understanding of the history of why it came together. And so like Absolutely. sort of pull things full circle, you know, that's, right. you know, that's part of that, you know, that whole process is, is understanding mm-hmm. why th- it is the way that it is um yeah mm-hmm. but uh but yeah i think we're we're coming uh to an end here we've been going a while uh so any wow. final thoughts about um you know criticism about film and, and tv media and, and whatnot so um let's start with you Stephen.
4: okay uh final thoughts um criticism definitely has a place i think it is an art form just as the art forms that it talks about hmm. um but and as an art, it needs to be um, developed, and it needs to be done, and it needs to be you know um, if if you feel like you have a voice uh, to add to the art form of criticism, I encourage you to to expand your voice, but find a place to do that, and find a place to be very you know uh, articulate, push yourself um, to 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 do better, and and as Nathan said, understand why things are the way they are um but uh again there's there's less less of a value for the 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 withering comments and Mm -hmm. you know at the end of the day you may be a very witty person but i may not be that interested in how witty you are if what you're saying about the art form isn't really helping me to assess Mm -hmm. whether or not it's something that i want to see all right jerry
3: Uh, Yeah, I want to just tag off what Keith said before. Open yourself up outside your echo chamber. If you cannot withstand to hear anybody saying they didn't like something that you liked, you might want to think about why that is. Mm -hmm. Uh, You should be open to hearing, even if you don't agree with someone, you should be open to hearing why something didn't work for them. And we also talked about Uh, Ashley talked briefly about If I was in James Gunn's face, I would not. If you go to conventions, for the love of God, and you meet an actor, don't go to them to crap on their work.
4: (laughs) Thank you. (laughs)
3: Please, for the love
4: of God,
3: (laughs) get your autograph and move on. And if you just, all you want to do is talk to that actor and tell them, I hated the way you did this on the Winchesters. Rethink your life. (laughs)
0: that's expensive too like that's an expensive like little (laughs) 30 second rant there
1: (laughs) yeah wow yeah i never even thought about like somebody doing that but i bet
3: there are people who do it i've i've seen it people that get in line wait 40 minutes just to get into an actor's face and tell them how much they hate them don't do that for the love of god God, just don't do that
1: yeah uh yeah (laughs) ashley any final thoughts
0: yeah, I would say good art inspires discussion and we should not be afraid of that as long as that discussion remains open, respectful and as in-depth and fair and balanced as possible. And yeah, be oh, realize it, that if someone loves something you love, hate or vice versa doesn't invalidate your feeling, doesn't invalidate theirs. Just be kind adults and have a discussion about that. That it seems hard to find on the internet, but there are good communities still out there and it takes a little work sometimes to find those spaces where good discussions are being had, but they're definitely out there and it's worth cultivating.
2: All right, and Keith? Yeah, I think I'm going to back on what Ashley said as well. Good art and good critique, to appreciate them, you must appreciate film and movies. And only watching Fast and the Furious or only watching Star Trek, you're not really appreciating the totality of movies. And if that's all you want to do is go watch what you like, then don't read film critics because they're not going to tell you anything. They're not going to help you. In order to appreciate a film critic, you have to appreciate what a good film critic does. A good film critic should not just criticize the movie you watch. A good film critic could make you should make you interested in experiencing and seeing things you didn't know existed. They should expand your palate and your horizon. That's what a good critic is, and take advantage of that because you're not just gonna you're not just following a critic. You're gonna experience a whole new world of film and movies and music and restaurants and theater that you just didn't know existed. That's what a good critic's all about.
1: Yeah, and for my you know for my final thoughts, uh, if you're if you're someone who honestly believes that people shouldn't say anything you know negative about you know anything and that they should just mention things that are positive and that you're you know basically advocating for that take a step back for a minute and just think about Mm -hmm. what you're saying you know that that you're basically telling someone else what they can or can't you know use their voice for and i think then if you like really consider that and really like stop and think about it you'll see why you know that isn't you know, that, that isn't a good way to go about things, you know, because people have every right to give their opinion. What, what people don't have a right to do is to use threatening language or to, you know, attack people in some way and things like that, though, that sort of behavior should be called out that sort of behavior, you know, uh, people should use their voice to, you know, to try to stop and things of you know that nature. But if somebody is just giving their honest opinion about something, it differs from yours, Mm -hmm. you know, who are you to say that they can't say that you know and so that's that's the point that i want to get out there and yeah as we've all mentioned there are beneficial you know aspects of criticism it is not even though the word criticism we view it as negative yeah there it can be positive so Mm -hmm. think about that and think about you know and think about who you're listening to also because if somebody is just always giving awful nasty negative reviews well that might be skewing what you think critiques mm-hmm. and criticism are but mm-hmm. then maybe you shouldn't be listening to those voices and should be listening to other voices that are giving things a more even review
2: rex reed yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh i hate rex reed
1: Oh, I, uh, God. I, I, Don't get I, started. I do find this topic a little amusing because i just showed my wife gremlins too and there's a scene in that movie where Leonard Malton is savaging the original Gremlins movie yes. and the Gremlins oh, yeah. show up and kill him.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great moment. It is.
1: That is
2: so funny. Yeah. I
1: no, uh, I, I I watched Gremlins 2 way more than Gremlins when I was a kid, and uh and, and I love that movie. Uh my wife has never seen either one, so we watched uh, <laughs> we watched through both of them because they said there's a new one coming at the end of the year. Who knew? Yeah. Um but uh-huh. uh yeah yeah Um,
3: rex reed is the guy that taught me that critics can be biased yes
2: yes he's just nasty he really he's what you were saying nathan he's just a nasty person there's truth be told
1: yeah so yes i realize that there are critics out there and of course people who aren't really critics but are just reviewers you know out there who that that is what they make their reputation on and yeah i mean if that's if that's just going to fill you with bile uh you know don't don't give them space you know just <laughs> but there are other i i guarantee that anyone there is a critic out there that you will like enjoy their content whether it's written content or like youtube video reviews or whatever that right. you know that you will that you will enjoy their their take um no right. yeah. uh but yeah so uh let's say our goodbyes and let people know where they can find us so um let's start with you ashley
0: well, thank you again. It's um, I really enjoyed discussing with all of you and um, hearing your perspectives and um, digging a little deeper into the topic. You can find me over on the ESO podcast network talking about new movies. And we um, ever since COVID, we've been trying to go back and do some more um, classic movies too. So I really enjoy getting to see what's new coming out, but also highlighting some films from prior years so um yeah you can you can find me talking about movies on there
2: all right very cool keith you can find me on twitter and instagram and on facebook primarily the eso network facebook groups and my uh, star trek group that i share with some others which is first station trek we do a facebook group and we do a weekly podcast at 8 p.m eastern on thursday nights give us a listen and give us a visit we love talking all things star trek
4: all right steven um thank you for having me again this was a really wonderful panel and a great discussion i really enjoyed this um and you can find me uh on facebook i have a stephen pickering performances page which i try to keep updated with where i'm going to be performing soon um in july i'll be performing in barrington illinois in one Flew over the cuckoo's nest and sometime this summer i will be and i believe they're going to release the film the gray girl and i'm i'm a supporting role in that so i'm looking forward to that and beyond that uh, i'll be on the stage somewhere in illinois and gary all right uh
3: you can find me as one of the co-directors of the dragon con american sci-fi classics track at dragon con in atlanta over labor day weekend please come tell me uh to give you your air supply records back i am also the <laughs> co-host and producer for the good to be a geek network podcast, a podcast of amontillado where we discuss the dark deep terrifying parts of the world all things horror uh and it, so if you're into the spooky scary stuff uh, please give us a listen
1: all right well ashley keith steven and gary thank you so much for being on the show this week
3: thank you you again for having me
2: really appreciate
1: it thank you and this was terrible (laughs) (laughs) and that's it for our discussion on criticism so now it's your turn to be critical of us what do you like what don't you like you can let us know in a lot of different ways one way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com Another way is to go to our website, 42cast.com, and leave a review or a message on any of the episodes there. You can also do that at facebook.com slash 42cast, or you can go to either Twitter or Instagram at 42cast. I'm sorry, not Twitter, X. Stupid name. Anyway, (laughs) you can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And the more reviews we get, the more our show will show up in searches. So if you have an Apple account, I would really appreciate if you would leave us a review. I also want to let you know about the ESO Network Patreon. That's a place where you can help all the shows on the network. There are different tiers for different levels of access, different perks, etc. You can get access to some early shows from the, in the network. You can get access to some exclusive shows from the podcasts on the network. Or you can even get access to exclusive podcasts. So, once again, you can find that at Patreon. And that's patreon.com slash ESO network. And if you have the funds to help, we would greatly appreciate it. So, I know I've been saying this for a while, but by the time this one hits, it should be correct. Time Streams is coming off hiatus this winter, before the end of 2023 when I'm recording this. That's right, before the end of 2023, we are getting Time Streams off of hiatus. So, what is Time Streams? Time Streams is my friend Juliet and I talking about a la Doctor Who from the beginning. You don't have to watch the episodes to listen to our podcast. We explain everything important that happens in the episode. So if you just want to hear our banter, you can listen to it for like that. Or if you do want to follow along by watching the episodes before you listen to the podcast episode, then you'll definitely get more out of it that way. So once again, that's Time Streams. The other podcast that I'm on, which will not be off hiatus by the end of 2023, but I am trying very hard to get it off hiatus before the spring of 2024, is Legendary Forces. And Legendary Forces is where Juliet and I again, but also joined, joined by Ashley, Joe, and Juliet are going through all of Star Wars fictional media from the beginning. So that's the various movies, TV shows, comics, novels, anything that actually happens in the Star Wars universe. So we're not reviewing things like fanzines that talk about the actual details of making Star Wars. We're talking about things that happen in the universe. And so we talk about, you know, the stories, how much we like them, things like that. But we also talk about them in the context of Star Wars canon. It's kind of a dirty word, I know, for some people. But we talk about, you know, as far as the canon and what is canon and what story ideas from earlier stories get sort of moved into things as more Star Wars storytelling comes out and how that changes over time. We're basically talking about it from the standpoint of the fact that Star Wars has always been changing. So, if that sounds interesting to you, that is Legendary Forces. Uh, Beth and I have found a show called Only Murders in the Building. It's an amazing show, it's very well written. A lot of fun. I was interested because I was interested in a show starring Steve Martin and Martin Short. I figured that that would be incredibly fun but i have actually really appreciating Selena Gomez's character too, so we're watching through that right now. Currently we just started season three, really enjoying that. We're also watching the anime One Piece, because with the live action one coming out, I was kind of curious about watching the anime that's the basis for it, so we're doing that right now. Also, uh, i still watching Quantum Leap, and Yeah, I'm not sure what we're going to watch after Only Murders in the Building. We might watch the Netflix show Bodies, because I've been hearing a lot of good buzz about that. But I'll let you guys know when we get to that. Well, that's a wrap for this week. Join us back next week when George Buza, that is the voice of the Beast from X-Men the Animated Series, will be on the podcast. We talk to him about his career. We talk to him about playing the Beast in the X-Men Animated Series but also about X-Men 97 and his triumphant return. So that's next week. Hope you enjoy it. And uh, until then, this is Nathan signing off. And now for some outtakes. Uh, Ashley, another movie that you should watch is, um, this is, this is not silent, but this is a black and white uh, early sci-fi movie, is The Day the Earth Stood
2: Still.
5: Mm, yes, yes. I oh, have not seen great it, but... One
2: oh yes yes absolutely classic if you haven't seen that you got to it is is yeah
1: i i love that movie it used to be on all the time when i was a kid like you know they would show it as like the afternoon movie of the week or whatever like and i i watched Mm -hmm. it like a million times and yeah yeah, it is one of my favorites
2: either oh yeah yeah, no like the the (laughs) remake
1: with keanu was not good the original <laughs> right the original. Yeah. yeah yeah we could the do
2: original. this all day because forbidden planets got to be on your mm-hmm. list yeah
0: you mm-hmm.
4: cabinet and, of dr Caligari. oh yeah. yes oh, yes wonderful film yeah and if you
3: ever uh ashley you said you're in atlanta or you're not in atlanta
0: i'm actually in kansas so you're smack in kansas. dab in the river right. i've been to dragon con once which okay. i i'm hopeful to be able to go again because it was just an absolute blast but oh,
3: cool well, I'll throw this out there for Keith then. Um, there's a band called Valentine Wolf. They do what they call chamber metal. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a stand-up you know, bass and vocalist. They will do live performances with silent movies. They're, mm. They do it with oh, like- Oh, how cool. It's very cool. They've done it with Nosferatu. They, they've they done it with The Cabinet of Dr. Kalargi. They only do it live. Okay. So mm. but if you get a chance, they they go to Dragon Con, but they're really good. That sounds nice. amazing.
0: Thank it you.
3: was wild. Good
1: deal. Yeah, I should probably put the day of the earth because I'm starting to do older movies too. I should probably put that on like the list of ones to do because I really enjoyed doing Spartacus. Yeah, and, and... Oh,
0: yeah. yeah. I'm really thankful. I feel like ESO has really helped me grow because like in the past I thought like, Oh, I don't like Westerns or I don't Mm -hmm. like horror films. And through this experience, like I found out like, Oh, there are some Westerns I do like, and you know what, there are some films that would be classified as horror that I enjoy as well. So, um, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really appreciative of the opportunity to grow from, uh, Little old me starting back in 2012, I think when I first guested on the podcast, the my limited experience versus all the things I'm grateful to have been able would, to watch now.
2: I, I would tell you, being a being a certain age, my age helps because I grew up when when I would watch regular television and my first television was black and white. And my mm. first television, I literally got five channels, ABC, NBC, CBS, and two channels on what was called UHF with the loop antenna. Mm -hmm. There were times when I'd go home and watch something and I'm like eight years old, there's nothing but the black and white untouchable series. So I watched it. You know, I Mm -hmm. watched Metropolis on television because there was nothing to watch. So I grew up watching Westerns. And to this day, you know, I'm sure Gary's the same way. Nate's the same way. I will turn on and I'll watch the latest version of Star Trek with the best special effects you've ever seen. And then I will be equally happy. To watch some crappy 1934 movie, like I was a teenage or 1940s, I was a teenage werewolf and enjoyed a heck out of that thing. Michael <laughs> and and I, not, yeah, I, I really, <laughs> I really appreciate
1: the limitations we had on television because. Yes. Yeah, like I watched so much fifties and sixties content on television, mm-hmm. where nowadays mm-hmm. kids can live in echo chambers, like we talked about with, like yeah. we talked about like genres, but also with like, well, I'm just gonna watch like the newest stuff, like I'm never going to yeah. go back and watch anything older. Whereas yeah. I think it gave me an appreciation, oh, more totally. of an appreciation for television and film to watch so many fifties and sixties TV and movies um yeah like like WandaVision is my favorite of the Disney plus Marvel shows because I watched those sitcoms on daytime you know daytime tv it's such
3: a walk through old what tv how how Hmm. tv grew yeah but I mean I've met people that oh all I watch is like one piece I don't watch anything else it's like yeah. Well, I understand there's 7,000 episodes of that, but right. still grow <laughs> your, you know, expand your taste.
1: Yeah, my, my wife doesn't like black and white. Like she she just really? doesn't, yeah. She won't want she's she's younger than I am. She's she's mm-hmm. six years younger than I am. So she grew up in a later time. But you know, it's like yeah, it's it's <laughs> you know, and so that's the thing. It's like and, and again, I feel like that's a huge limitation because there are so many good
4: oh
0: yeah, black
1: and white mm-hmm. shows and movies.
0: And um, well,
4: plus, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of film noir and being a oh, fan of mm. film noir and yes. then go back and watch the original Star Trek series and one of the things that hit me in my last rewatch was how good the lighting is
5: mm. in oh, the yeah. show.
4: They they got film noir style lighting. I mean there's like, you know, I remember they're they're in a conference room and the their light is way too dim for anybody to be having any kind of functional meeting but you know there's something dark <laughs> happening and there's a shadow across kirk's mm. face and it's very film noir and it works
2: yeah it's uh, the uh the classic original series episode the enemy within that's when yeah. the transporter splits kirk into an evil and yes. a good kirk mm. They literally do an old school stage effect where he appears on the transporter pad with his back to the camera and then uh-huh. he turns around and the camera comes underneath his chin and he's got this funky blue lighting. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. such a stage craft moment right. that it yeah. is but it's awesome.
4: brilliant. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's funny how like media changes too, because you know, you go through the period where sci-fi everything has to be bright and lit, and you yeah. lose all of that you know you lose all that and then aliens comes out and everybody's like oh mm-hmm. no actually like the moody like dark like dim lighting that's like good like we should use that you know yep. like in everything you know
3: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that sometimes we're victims of that because like the, the John Carter movie that came out about what, 10, 12 years ago now? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I thought it was great, but so many people are like, oh, it's so derivative. It's like, you don't understand. This all started
1: here. Yeah, Everybody was <laughs> yes, yes. John Carter.
2: Yeah, yeah I uh, tell people the same
1: thing. I love John Carter. And I <laughs> hate too. the fact that that movie like was, was dead just because everybody was like, well, it's like a million other things. But yeah, but those stories came from that. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the I watch- original mm-hmm. i think in that case we have all had that conversation i've had people tell me well this is just like star wars is this like you do realize john carter is going on like a century old and you know right. it's, it's the one that <laughs> yeah.
1: started edgar yeah. yeah. right? like, rice George burroughs was tomorrow. writing in the early 1900s mm-hmm. like, right
2: yeah it's so true that 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 that's a it, it's it'd be like saying eli roth created you know horror or something like that like, mm. uh, no <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, great topic great yeah. topic yeah. i
1: wish yeah. i wish that that had become a series like i want because oh. that's funny because like i read the tarzan series by edgar Burroughs, and i read mm-hmm. his at the earth's core series i never mm-hmm. read the john carter stuff so it was like this is like yeah. his big series that i didn't read and i wanted to see like a movie series for it and yeah like really got the one
2: yeah i was yeah. so frustrated because i agree i thoroughly enjoyed that movie and it just tanked and that was there like we'll never do that again it was so frustrating Uh, yeah yeah. good
3: movie one of my best movie going experiences though because i saw it at the alamo draft house in austin
0: Mm. nice
3: and that was it was very cool
0: but yeah. I wanted
2: more.
5: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. But you know, I think, and uh, then we're going on long. but I think, and i talked to some people about this. We were talking about how all these franchises are ruling the day, especially, you know, the science fiction and the action franchises. I mm-hmm. think what we've lost, especially in sci-fi and horror, we've lost the true appreciation for a good B movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we used to just have B movies. They didn't have to be great, but they were fun. But now, mm-hmm. Every well, sci fi movie is a franchise and a fantasy movie, and they're expected to do ridiculous. Bo- Heck, I love, I grew up mm, on Colossus yeah. the Foreman Oh, you I know? love that movie. Yeah, no, that's a but, good yeah.
1: movie.
2: Yeah. yeah. These yeah. so I grew up on solid B movies that work. I've I've long you
1: know, been saying that like Marvel's got it all wrong. Like wait, right? I mean, not nothing mm-hmm. got it all wrong but they've got it wrong that every movie has to be like this huge 200 million dollar thing. It's like yeah, yeah they're right. doing stuff on Disney Plus now and that's kind of like their way of doing things that are slightly lower budget, but I'm like mm-hmm. there are some characters where like you could do like a 20-30 million dollar movie. Because that right. character's level is like at that yeah. level and you could do that movie, you know, with all the street yeah. level, you know, type characters, there are a ton of them, you know. Yeah, uh, and
3: they did that yeah. with like Ant-Man and there was one all other right. one that was kind of more low end, and then they just moved away from it. But I think that's partly yeah. the studios. If if you want to mm-hmm. see some good B movies though. Your, it, check out your local independent films, and yes. there's a lot of, especially in horror, there's a lot of really good indie stuff because you can now make a decent movie for like $1,000. You can record yeah. on your phone yeah. and make a decent little movie, and yeah. so
2: yeah, that's the big thing. I agree well, because nowadays everybody's so focused on you know the newest Indiana Jones and newest Star Trek or whatever. I'm waiting for I I love discovering the next Event Horizon. Oh, the next, yeah. you know, the next Dark City. You know, mm-hmm. the next the next uh what was it called? Um my gosh, the one where um the was it Moon? The one where the guy was stationed on a moon base yeah, by himself. Yeah, Moon.
3: One with uh, uh Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. Yeah yeah, yeah that's, that was that's, fantastic
2: right oh, that's man. the stuff I grew up on low relatively low budget B movies that they weren't the take the world by storm blockbusters but we don't yeah. get as many of those like you said at the movies and you get them on television you get them mm-hmm. in series with streaming Netflix and streaming and so forth but that's the kind of stuff I love I am all to your point Gary, I am always trolling for those movies that are not the next mm-hmm. one. Yeah, which, right. That's and, which why is, which I like is, which, oh sorry, go
4: ahead. Oh no, as you say, which is which is odd because the the first Star Wars movie was an homage to movie serials and B movies. Right. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, <good point. laughs> yeah,
3: but that's why I was loved Bloomhouse when it first started. They were doing a lot of the low end, low budget stuff and then until they blew up and now they've got all the money. Now A twenty four is cusping that
2: same thing. Mm. Right. Cause you had the witch, you know, yeah. you had something like the witch, or you had something like Midsummer. Those are, kind of movies like that, uh,
3: men. I can't imagine another studio making that movie. Yes, that movie yeah. was just
2: weird, and I loved right. it. Right, and again, I remember there a, there used to be a, there used to be a theater here in Atlanta called the Screening Room, and it was mm. uh, it was in it was what it was near Piedmont Motor Station, and there's okay. another theater here in Atlanta on Cheshire Bridge called the Tara. It Used to be called Font Tara. Uh, mm. It just opened up again last week. Again,
3: yeah, I was seeing about that.
2: Yeah, nowadays people will be stunned, but RoboCop was considered kind of an indie movie, and it was mm-hmm. a relatively low well, yeah. budget movie. I saw it because first off, they tried to give it a was it wasn't X, maybe NC seventeen was out at that time, and the first version of RoboCop got like an NC seventeen primarily because like the one when they first um, when they first basically killed the cop who became the RoboCop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, that hilarious scene where they tested their first century and it kept shooting that guy and kept shooting that guy. Yes, yeah, but,
3: the Ed 209 scene. That, yeah that yeah. killed it.
2: <laughs> that was not a huge release movie. I saw that at a little theater because its first release was an indie type release. Hmm. Then it blew up and became a blockbuster. You know, that's yeah. where your good stuff comes from. Mm-hmm. Well, like and wasn't everything films, everywhere. All, wasn't
1: everything everywhere all at once like originally like a, like going to be like a small release thing and then
2: it just blew yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's like the modern,
1: movie. yeah, like version of that, like the recent yeah. version. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Good stuff. Man.
0: This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the T Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Thank you.